Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis where it's seven o'clock your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Rook Grimsley and Matthew Rocchio and Dan McLaughlin. Hey, yes. great to have you with us. Welcome, Danny Mac. As I said before, Randy, you and I have worked for decades together, literally mm-hmm. decades. Literally. So uh, great to be with you. I was your former producer for many years, mm-hmm. so to be on the air with you is always a treat. And Brooke, I've admired your work from afar, and uh, looking forward to doing this for a long time with you guys. It's going to yes. be great. And you and uh, and Matthew share a history. Well, I, you didn't let me finish. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that Matthew and I went to the same grade school. We are a couple of decades apart, but great St. Gabriel's in South St. Louis, so there's a connection there, too. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Pretty impressive. Absolutely. So, I'm looking forward to doing this, and thanks for letting me come in and ruin your show. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you can give us, too, yeah. some information on what it was like working for Randy back in the producer days. Oh, no. Well... If if I must tell the story, uh, oh, yes. I'm happy to do so. Oh, yes. Can I start with I was younger? Okay. Yes. You had a little bit more uh, <laughs> fire and vinegar? Is that what they say? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So um, one time, our boss came in and said, I need to hear more of, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Randy, but I, I want to hear more of some of the, the hard news hitters that are going on and, and, and some of those yes. kind of names that are out there. Mm. Is, okay. that, is that fair? Y- yes. Told both of us, okay? Then... They pull me into the <laughs> office, okay? <laughs> and they say, Randy, uh, Dan is going to do a great job for you, but we want you to run your own board. And when Dan isn't available, because Dan was still in school doing a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, I was still doing a lot, but yeah. I was basically but, full-time basically with you. Basically full-time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but they said, hey, and Dan was an exception, is an exceptionally hard worker. So they, they said, Randy, we, we basically want you to go get your own guests, and we want you to run your own board. So I walk into the, the office, and I'm kind of pissed. Okay, take it from there. And so I said, Randy, I've got a couple of great guests. I got Ampley's agent. Mm-hmm. Amply at the time, running back for the Rams. There was some uncertainty about his future. And I had the cuts, like the actual audio cuts. And I said, here you go. We can play these during the show. Great. Great. Whatever. <laughs> I thought, man, I've never seen Randy like this. And then I hit him with, by the way, I booked Mark Sauer. <laughs> President of the Blues. And he was pissed. <laughs> I mean, you were you were you were so upset. I've never seen you like that since then either. It's the only time I've seen you really upset. And uh it was a great interview, by the way, with Mark Sauer. He was, was great. You yeah. turned it on. So I, I thought you were awesome. You oh, and Mark man. were instant offense on the radio. And Dan helped me so much, but here's the thing. All I've ever asked of from a boss is to give me the tools to be able to win. And I thought on that day they were taking away my tools to be able to win because I'd always had a, a board operator like Matthew, and I'd always had a producer. And Dan, 
exceptional at everything he's ever done mm-hmm. in radio. You're too kind, Randy. Well, very nice. Uh, but I I was mad at them because I thought they were taking my tools away. So I was gritting my teeth that day, and I was and I when I was younger. Okay, I still do sometimes. I would <laughs> get really really mad and break stuff. Uh, mm. I'm not. We we had a, an executive producer. Ah, statute of limitations has passed. We had an executive <laughs> producer named John Cooper who would break a lot of stuff. How he, is Coop doing? I have no idea. I haven't seen him in years. Hope yeah, me neither. Uh, but he would literally pull phones out of the wall and stuff. I didn't do that, but yes, I would. No uh, thrown phone, uh, no. like you throw the phone no. or anything like yeah. that. No, no. I, I but punch there, a wall. Well, there was the incident at Schnooks I heard about. Well, that was I, that. Ranji still has the dent from that. <laughs> but there was a. For as long as we had the reel-to-reel machines in our sports office at KMOX mm-hmm. when I was there, until I left in 2001. So this is, what, nine, 10 years, right? Yeah. There was a dent in one of the reel-to-reel machines. <laughs> if I may, oh just for a second. Um, but I'm good now. I oh, would say, okay. for those that are listening that maybe are a little bit older, there was Bob Hamilton, mm-hmm. who read the oh, news yeah. and is widely regarded, and God rest his soul, but widely regarded as one of the best newsmen Ever. Ever. I mean, nationwide. He was mm-hmm. incredible. He threw a card at me one time. Does that shock you? That shocks me. Wow. Shocking. The nicest man you've ever, yeah. ever met. Like when the uh, the floods hit in 94, he came in and did six hours of radio by himself. And I'm just handing him copy of all the news coming in and didn't miss a word. There was no um, uh, none of that. And so he was the <laughs> nicest man ever, but did throw a card at me. Yeah. Wow. That okay. was a little rough. One quick one before we get to last night's national championship game. Ham was the consummate professional. Well, thank and, you, Randy. And everybody had a Bob <laughs> Hamilton invitation. I'm Bob Hamilton. Camox News. Well, Bob Costas was notorious for showing up late. Okay, so Sports Up Online started at 6.15. Bob would be in the chair at 6.14, usually. Sometimes he'd come in really early, but most of the time, game time is on time. One night, it's weather like this. Second alert weather, by the way, from 101 ESPN. It's rainy and slippery mm, outside. Alert, and you yes. know how traffic gets in St. Louis when it rains, right? Mm-hmm. So it's raining, and Bob is running late. Bob Hamilton is doing the forecast, getting ready for a Sports Open Line. And at 6.15, I'm Bob Hamilton, KMOX News. Let's recap that forecast. Coming up <laughs> on Tuesday, a high of 34 degrees, and he goes through until Friday. Oh, that's great. But right now, and he, he sees Bob. There's windows throughout the studios, and he yeah. sees Bob Costas walking down the hall, and he says, and right now, it's 34 degrees. <laughs> I'm Bob Hamilton. KMOX News. <laughs> Just stretch it out. Yep. The next thing you hear on the air is, Costa sits down and exhales. <laughs> I love it. it oh was my Bob gosh. was the best. He was Bob both. Hamilton. It was yeah. Both, yes. Bob both great. Uh, Michigan. Congratulations to Dan Deerorf and his Wolverines. They beat Washington last night, 34-13 in the national championship game. Guys, I thought this one. I was wrong, but I thought this one was over in the first quarter when Donovan Edwards went off. Snaps to McCarthy, hand off to Edwards, bounces off a pile and breaks free. Outside of the 30, the 25, the 20, down the sideline, and he scores. 41 yards, Donovan Edwards. Pistol, and it's a handoff to Donovan Edwards, who breaks free again. To his right, he's going to go again. Two carries and two touchdowns for Donovan Edwards. 
41 yards and 46 yards after the first quarter. Michigan had 180 yards on the oh ground. My gosh. They had outgained Washington on the ground 180 to 31. So you've got a 14-3 lead after a quarter, 17-3 lead before Washington finally gets on the board. A touchdown pass from Michael Penix Jr., 17-10 game at halftime. Then Michigan got a field goal in the third quarter, and Washington bounced back with a touchdown to make it a 2013 game heading into the fourth. But that's when Michigan started leading on the Huskies. Shotgun snap. It's a handoff to Corn. He breaks the tackle with a 10 and goes into the end zone for a touchdown. A handoff to Corn and a touchdown. And that could be a fitting conclusion to his career. The all-time record holder at Michigan in rushing touchdowns. Two more tonight and 58 for his brilliant career. 303 yards rushing for Michigan, 301 total yards for Washington. And when we talked to Dan yesterday, he said that uh, Michigan plays bully ball. And they did. They did what they do. That was 100% what happened. And defense wins championships. That's exactly what happened there. Danny, yesterday I I predicted that Washington was going to win this one. And... It didn't go well, especially when you looked at that first quarter. I was uh, questioning everything in my decision because Michael <laughs> Penix Jr., he's looked so good up until that game. But really, Michigan's defense, underestimating them, that was my biggest mistake. But I think a lot of people made that same mistake. Oh, absolutely. I, I thought there was two things going into the game. I, I thought, can they protect Penix? And then the other part was the, uh, the, the stopping the run. And mm-hmm. both those things didn't happen. The Michigan interior linemen dominated the game offensively defensively Michigan is a true national champion I went back and added up their scores this year guys they outscored their opponents 538 to 156 wow 538 to 156 Michigan controls the line of scrimmage Michael Penix pressured all night missed throws never got into rhythm too I I thought if they would have hit the one that was in the probably towards the late of the first quarter and their top receivers wide open wide. he missed them and mm-hmm. if you get into a rhythm at that point maybe it's a different game but Michigan really dominated the line of scrimmage and to me that's the difference in that national championship so Jim Harbaugh finally gets that elusive championship personally I can now sit at the big person's table in the family, they won't. They won't. They won't keep me over there in the on the little table anymore. My dad, Jack Harbaugh, won a national championship, and my brother won a Super Bowl. So uh, it's good to it's good to be at the big person table from now on. Pretty accomplished family. I would say so, to say the least. And this is possibly a huge mic drop moment for Harbaugh, right? Because we know we've been talking about the NFL rumors that are swirling around there. He can now exit before anything else happens with these NCAA investigations, which honestly, I think we know that not much is going to come from that anyways, but he has the chance to go out on top and then go to the the NFL. Senior-laden team, so that's one thing to consider going into next year. You got the 12-team playoff, so it's going to be harder to win. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, suspensions potentially coming up, maybe more coming, so why stay? And he's going to get a bundle of money, a bundle of Mm -hmm. money, and he's going to be the number one target more than likely, I would say, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but more than likely with the NFL head coaches. So why would he stay in Michigan? Right. The only reason that he'd stay in Michigan is because he gets to completely run the show. But the NCAA will have a say here. And here's the thing. If you stay in college now, if you have the opportunity to go to the NFL, 
you can say, I want to be the greatest of all time, but you're never going to pass Nick Saban. So if you're Jim Harbaugh and your brother has the Super Bowl championship and his own players have said that that has stuck in Jim's craw, mm-hmm. that John beat him in the Super Bowl, I'm with you 100%. And you get the opportunity. The Chargers fired their general manager. You'll be in charge. The Raiders fired their general manager. You will be in charge. The uh, Panthers yesterday fired their general manager. You'll be in charge. Jim Harbaugh, wherever he goes in the NFL, is going to get complete control of the operation. And there's so many job openings now that he is 100% looking at and saying, you know, I have a huge opportunity here to go to the NFL and possibly accomplish that when you're talking about the family types. This just feels like one of those movies where they pull off one last big heist and then vanish. Yeah. This is what he this is what he has the chance to do right now. Bowl games are they meaningless? What do you think? Now that we're finished yes. with the college now football, that we're going to have a 12 game play 12 team playoff. So don't tell that though to TV executives because <laughs> this year was the most watched college football season ever even with meaningless bowl, ga- uh, bowl games. The Rose Bowl was the most viewed non-NFL sporting event since 2018. Orange Bowl, which was ridiculous, 63-3, to Georgia and FSU, was the largest Orange Bowl audience since 2017. The Pop-Tart Bowl, which was my favorite, was awesome. 51. <laughs> now think about this. That was 51% higher than any NBA game on Christmas. Wow. Wow. So don't and, tell me uh, that these games the are meaningless because the TV executives want it. Yeah, Mizzou and uh, Ohio State got huge ratings too. Yeah. And here's the other thing that we need to remember about the bowl system. You have 12 teams playing in bowls. And maybe you, you have, after that first week, the six that lose in the first, or maybe, you guys, I guess, four lose in the first week. They can still play in a bowl game, too. ESPN, ESPN owns 17 of the bowl games. It's inventory for them. It's, it's programming for ESPN. That's a big thing. And I'm like you. If you have a 12-team playoff, and I would anticipate that the New Year's Six Bowl games will still be a part of it, but you're still going to have big bowl games that I think people will want to tune into because mm-hmm. we, we saw that this year. I'm one of the morons that watched all the bowl games. I loved them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I may have had a vested interest in said games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For my friends, of course. I'm of course. always sure. trying to help out my friends. Yes, yeah. yes. I wouldn't do that on my own, but I had a vested interest, and uh, I enjoyed them. I mean, I, I didn't care who was playing uh, in terms of the first string guy, the second string guy. And again, if t- as you know, Brooke, being in television, if you get ratings, they're going to continue to do it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Especially with everything that's happening, too, with the realignment. You want those bowl games to be successful. And you mentioned Mizzou, the success that the Cotton Bowl had. That's something that executives look at whenever they're picking out bowl games in the future. They want to see who's driving these TV ratings. You talked about the Pop-Tart Bowl. I never even would have cared about those two teams. But no, but then you're checking in because of the Pop-Tart Bowl. And I guess it's going to be back next year. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe that's what those bowl games do. You have to have a really, really good mascot. Okay, Brooke, what's the greatest thing to ever happen in your life? Oh man, the, the pop, greatest thing—the pop tart. It wasn't. It was. The, it was that mascot. It was probably that. I was going to say being fiance. born, but yeah. yeah. But then the, then the I, mascot. Your fiance <laughs> my is the oh, answer. Yes, yes yeah, my fiance. Before you fumbled the bag June on that 8th. one, June eighth. June eighth. That will be the next okay. best day, of course. And then pop tart bowl. But, but the pop tart yes. mascot specifically. Mm-hmm. Yes, the yeah. mascot. You, could, you could eat the Pop-Tart. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the Blues will host Matthew Kachuk and the Panthers tonight. The game coming your way here on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock. Pre-game at 6. And uh, John Moran suffering an injury to his shooting shoulder. Oh. He's got I knew surgery they were ready in, you know, for that. For the year. <laughs>
Okay. In fairness, in the video, he sometimes held it with his left hand. <laughs> One of the things I've learned working with Randy in his new phase here at 101 ESPN, which is now going on how many years? This is 15, Dan. We're, uh, we're in our 16th year here at 101 ESPN. You get to guns or you get to OJ. Randy is all over it. Oh, oh you are so sharp. You are... <laughs> See, there we go. You're yeah. so shy. Time check is 7.15, and it's time Here's to take thing, a break yeah. in my first show back it's, with you guys. If, if, if OJ played now, because he's a running back, right? Oh, no. So oh, it would no, be like no, a double-edged no. sword for I'm the done. coach that has... Go to break, Randy. Oh, you're really <laughs> sticking your neck out here. Oh, hey. no. What's Randy. coming up next? <laughs> coming up, uh, should the Blues have tried a little harder to get Matthew Kachuk from the Flames? That's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Lachlan is already offended and mad. Absolutely. <laughs> and that was just during the break. Yeah. So. <laughs> some yeah. people like Whitney Houston jokes. Some people don't. Oh, I le- I'm no. not. I'm not going to touch any of your jokes. I'm not. I'm staying okay. away because I'd like to stay on the air. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will. Brooke, I Godspeed. <laughs> yes. It's uh. Yeah. We can't. We can't repeat those jokes. But I think you no. already have at different points during. Whoa your shows. Here's the thing. The, the Blues uh, are going to face a guy tonight who's drowning in talent in Matthew Kachuk. He's Gee, that's since the St. Louis is spectacular. He's... What? It's brutal. It's so brutal. It's juvenile <laughs> and brutal. You guys just... You guys get your head in the right head. Let's talk, we're talking sports here, okay? Oh, we're talking oh, Blues okay. and, and Panthers. Yes. <laughs> so what do you got on those old Blues there, Randy? Well, here's the thing. Before last season, the Blues were definitely in talks to get Matthew Kachuk. And reportedly, according to our friend Jeremy Rutherford at The Athletic, our Blues Insider, the Blues that offered Tarasenko and Scandella, and I think a number one. And there was a lot of talk about the Flames either wanting or not wanting Jordan Cairo. And apparently they did, and the Blues were not prepared to part with Jordan Cairo. Either, that's the debate. Did the Flames either want or not want Jordan Cairo? We don't know for sure, but we know for sure that the Blues did not want to give him up. So, my question is, with where we are now, the Flames just went to the Stanley Cup Finals. They've got the third most points in the league this year. And this is an iconic, on his way to being an iconic player. He would be an iconic St. Louis player, Matthew Kachuk. So, should the Blues have gone harder to get Matthew Kachuk last offseason? And I was on board because I didn't think the Blues could match the the offer of Huberto and Uyghur, who went to Calgary mm-hmm. in exchange. But maybe the Blues should have gone that little extra oomph to try to get Matthew Kachuk. Well, the Blues reportedly offered Vladimir Tarasenko mm-hmm. and Scandella. So then when you hear that offer, and then you saw what the Flames got in return with that trade with the Panthers, it felt like it's something that the Blues could have possibly pulled off. I remember that was my first reaction to hearing the trade news. And if you follow Jonathan Huberdeau, things exactly haven't worked out well for him no. with the Flames whatsoever. Meanwhile, the Panthers have been doing really well 
with Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk, to me, I would have done whatever it would have taken to get him here to St. Louis. One, because we know Big Walt, everything that he's done and is currently doing for the organization and what he brings. But watching Matthew Kachuk, he is, if I could put together a hockey player with that attitude, that fiery passion, it would be Matthew Kachuk. The energy he brings, that leadership, is something that you would love to have on your team. And I just imagine him and that connection he has with Robert Thomas, Mm. how great that would be for the Blues. I think it's frustrating from a fan's perspective because this time last year, Cairo had 19 goals Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't be talking as much maybe he's got nine this year as much about this because he's had a frustrating season he had the issues with Craig Berube the stuff that got out publicly and I think from a fan's perspective that does frustrate you by the way Matthew Kachuk uh, coming in points in five straight he's got goals in three straight seven points over his last two games and the Blues are struggling on the power play Kairou is snake bitten at times on mm-hmm. breakaways earlier this season, and again, only nine goals. And I think it just adds to the frustration without having a Matthew Kachuk, which, by the way, from his perspective, I think probably the best thing happened that he did yes. come to yes. St. Louis. And that's one thing that he told JR. He said that that's not always the best situation to be playing at home. Now, he could have signed here. I know he wouldn't have hated it, right? Because this was his team growing up. And his fans dad would have loved it and ate it up for oh, sure. Yes. Right. But there is pressure in playing at home. But just from a team standpoint, you talk about changing history, and this might be revisionist, but I can tell you this. If Matthew Kachuk is on this team and Jordan Cairo isn't, I'm betting you that Craig Berube doesn't get fired. You really think so? You think I, I, that it think, would have had that kind of ripple effect? I think Matthew Kachuk is a Craig Berube type player. I don't know, man. I mean, since Drew Bannister took over, only two have been decided by more than two goals. They played in tight games, mm-hmm. and Berube just wasn't getting at the very end, at least initially watching Drew Bannister, what Drew Bannister is getting out of this team. Right, and right. I'm not sure one player would change that. I think having that, having your best player provide the buy-in, and, and Matthew would be the best Blues player by a wide margin. And no, no disrespect to Robert Thomas, but Matthew Kachuk is one of the four or five best players in the league. I think having buy-in from that guy changes the entire dynamic of an organization. And you think also at that time, too, you're mentioning this season, what we're seeing with Jordan Cairo, where he's been snake-bitten at times, but at the time of that trade, they probably saw more of the value in Jordan Cairo. Cairo, we were seeing more of that scoring ability, which has led to that big contract he was able to get. Same thing with Thomas, but when they're looking at getting rid of Cairo and Thomas at that time during that trade, I'm sure that they really didn't want to part with Jordan Cairo because they still were hoping, and not that the door is closed with Jordan Cairo, but the ceiling and potential for him was still really high at that point. Don't you guys think that this is a key point in the season? This is when you'd love to have Matthew Kachuk, by the way. When you've got a four-game homestand with the Panthers tonight, then you have the Rangers, Boston, Philly. Lone road game is with Washington. That's a back-to-back. But the Panthers, the Bruins, the Rangers are 1-2-3 in the East. All three already have 50 or more points. This is when you need a little grit. This is when you need a little Mm -hmm. toughness. And this is all about Matthew Kachuk if you had him in uniform. And yeah. the Panthers are coming in on a seven-game win streak. Yeah, they're playing right great. Now. Really, really. Good. And the last team the Blues played at a five-game winning streak. So they're they're facing not only teams at the top of the standings, but teams that are hot in getting to the top of the standings. Does it seem like Jordan Bennington has been here for five years for you guys? No. His He's debut was Sunday. I went back and looked at it. it. Was Sunday when he made his NHL debut. Bennington got the win, and then. The rest is history. Gloria started, and that was five years ago on Sunday. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Man, that that feels like it shouldn't be so long ago, but it... 
you miss it, yeah. right? You oh, want to get time. back yep. to that. And the fact that, too, you were mentioning how tight these games have been, Danny Mac. But, I mean, if you look at Jordan Bennington here lately, after the holiday break, after allowing at least five goals in consecutive starts before the holiday break, Bennington has allowed just four goals in his last three games while stopping 75 of 79 shots. Yeah. So he's been a big key, not just also defensively for the Blues, but He's been a big key for helping them in these close games. So, Randy, to kind of go back to what you were talking about, too, with Craig Berube and would one guy, you know, a Matthew Kachuk, help that situation. So the final 26 games with Chief as the coach, the Blues played in a total of two one-goal games. I mean, they were getting blown out in yeah, some of these games, were. and they were non-competitive. And I, I just don't know if one player – Albeit a really great player, he's one of the best players in the world. I I just don't know if one guy can change it that much. Well, let's get back to Matthew and Brady. Okay, so twenty thirty, both of the Matthew and uh, Brady with Ottawa under long term contracts, more likely to spend time as a member of the St. Louis Blues. Brady, who's with Ottawa, or Matthew, who's with the Panthers, eventually. I'm gonna say Matthew. Matthew. I am too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. tail end of your career, come back home, finish it up. Why not? Now, takes two to tango. Does he want to do this? Also, with the franchise that he's with, if he's been an iconic player, and there's no reason to think that either one of these guys won't be iconic players for a short amount of time in the scheme of things, that they say, you know what? The players meant a lot to us, and we keep them in uniform, and if we have to overpay for it, then we overpay for it, because they meant a lot to our organization. Robbie Tommy told us last week, that, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, that Kachuk has a pretty nice house in Florida, too. Oh. I bet it's, it's got to be on the water. <laughs> it is. Is yeah. it on the water? It's on the water, yeah. We can't provide that, can we? Uh, not really. Well, well, Alton. Yeah, you could also have a pool. Lake a nice St. Pool. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can do that. Yeah. There you go. we got plenty of opportunities. <laughs> sure. Uh, Brooke, Dan, Randy, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Hey, the Cardinals have a new voice from another organization. How much can that change the Redbird fortunes? That's next on 101 ESPN. The way to do your Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Back in the fall of 1995, the St. Louis Cardinals hired then Oakland Athletics manager Tony Larusa to be their manager, and subsequently the franchise was purchased by a group led by Bill DeWitt Jr. And since then, since 1996, the Cardinals have had a tremendous amount of success, and they've done good by their employees by promoting from within and giving people opportunities from within their organization. 
in that time, since the fall of 1995, the Cardinals have not brought in somebody with a significant voice in baseball operations from outside of the organization. From 1995 to 2024, the Cardinals have not had somebody from outside their organization that came in to give them a fresh set of eyes and talk about what other organizations are doing and seeing in the Cardinals. This is until now, until yesterday, when the Cardinals named former Red Sox General Manager Heim Bloom as an advisor to John Mozeliak. Bloom also had spent years with the Tampa Bay Rays. And for me, Dan and Brooke, this is another great move on the part of the Cardinals because I think any organization needs to have a fresh set of eyes, and especially in baseball now. When you're the Cardinals and you have been passed up in terms of building an organization Mm -hmm. by at least half of the teams in baseball— I look at it as a real value to bring in a guy like Heim Bloom and say, okay, here's what we did in Tampa. Here's what we've done in Boston. And here's what I see that you guys are doing. And hopefully the Cardinals will take the advice that somebody like that brings. Not all of it, but just have a fresh set of eyes. The Cardinal way was great for a long time, but now you look at the organizations that have passed them up. I think this is a necessary move on the part of the Cardinals and a very good one. And you can still keep the Cardinal way. It's just more revamping it and also bringing in a different perspective, which is something that we talked about a lot this past season with the Cardinals, where it felt like they needed another voice to come into the organization organization to really just shed light on what's going on. And really, I think this is a great move for many different reasons. One, Bloom it seems like his expertise lies in pitching development. How much have we talked about that the the Cardinals have just been waiting for just a homegrown arm to really come up through the system to be able to develop that pitching? That's something that we've talked about a lot. And he helped develop the Rays way, Mm -hmm. which is something that we've talked about. The Rays know how to really develop and get the most out of their pitchers, so he'll be able to do that. And I know that a lot of people look at that Mookie Betts trade that he was a part of, but guys, don't you honestly think that that was more on the ownership and him just having to execute what they wanted. 100%. You know, going back to what Randy said, um, just to give you a refresher in terms of what the DeWitts have done, and I understand that recently there's been frustration, and I get it, coming off a terrible season, but they've had 12 division titles, 17 postseason appearances, lead the National League with 75 playoff wins. That, that's that's a pretty good resume. Now, Randy, to your point, they haven't brought in a significant voice. There were a couple guys <clears throat> that came to mind that I thought about, and it, it depends on how you want to classify it as significant, but Cam Bonifay came in mm-hmm. for a little bit. He was the GM of the Pirates, and then you did have, and it was more on, I would say, Tony's side as opposed to the front office, but had input on both was Jim Leland, who's headed sure. to the Hall of Fame. So mm-hmm. you did have a couple of guys, but not to this, I, I wouldn't think, this significant of a voice that is coming in. And I, I think it's a good move because the Red Sox farm system under Bloom was 29th when he took over, went to 18th to 9th to 5th. And so player development was part of Tampa Bay, and then restocking the farm system with Boston was very, very important. And he has a familiarity in history, and I I would assume that some of this has come from Bloom, but Ryan Fernandez, Rule Mm -hmm. 5 pickup. Mm -hmm. You had Nick Robertson and the Tyler O'Neill deal with Boston, Andrew Kittredge with Tampa Bay, and then Riley O'Brien was drafted by the Rays. So these are guys that they're bringing in that I'm sure he had his fingerprints all over. Right. And one of the things that Mo said in the statement was, it will be good to get an outside perspective of our organization from someone who is as well-respected as Heim. Having a fresh set of eyes on all aspects of our baseball operations should be helpful. That's 
self-awareness that the Cardinals, I believe, need. And that statement tells me that they have at this point. And that's what you need coming into the organization, especially after a response like this season. And you hope that this past season was more of a fluke rather than anything. But to bring in that outside perspective, it's good to have a fresh set of eyes to look at things and say, what can we change? I think it's interesting because we're getting some texts in right now. And I saw this all over social media mm-hmm. after the announcement was made. But someone from the 314 says, so is Bloom the next Pobo? What are your thoughts on that? Because I think it's interesting that that narrative has now really come into fruition with people because he's only going to be here part time and he's not even going to be based in St. Louis. Well, I think Mo has got security in himself. You know, only the organization knows where they want to go with him and what role and moving forward and does he stay in the same position. But he's the kind of guy in Mo that's got a lot of power with this organization and you have to be comfortable in the position that you're in to say, Mm -hmm. yeah, I want to bring him in. It should be noted, too, that a guy like Mo or a guy like Gersh or a guy like Randy Flores or some of the lieutenants that they have, they are evaluating other teams just like other teams have been evaluating the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So if you're blue, you come in and you already have a pretty good idea of what the Cardinals are about. Or if you asked him, what are the Dodgers about or the Pittsburgh Pirates? They are evaluating other teams as much as they're evaluating to the for some to some extent as much as they're evaluating their own. So they come in and it's a fresh set of eyes and they say, boy, we really like this guy. And. You know, Bloom says, you know what, he wasn't even on our radar. We we didn't like what he was doing. Here's what our people saw analytically. This is what we don't like. This is what we do like. Hey, have you seen this guy in the minor leagues? Love that guy. Oh, no, we weren't thinking in terms of what he might be. So I think getting a fresh set of eyes is important. I really do. And one other note here, and Greg Amsinger's made this point, is the former player is coming back into vogue in MLB front offices, people that have actually played Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And this is nothing against Heim Bloom. Because he's obviously very intelligent and has a great pedigree with that Rays organization. But when I look at what the Cardinals have right now, they have a really valuable commodity in Randy Flores, who played under Tony La Russa. He understands, and we talked to him about the fact that he he gets that they're still men, not machines. I think one of the things that the Cardinals have gotten too far into is trying to have to have the players be robots and not have them be treated as human beings that are having things happen on a day-to-day basis. And Randy Flores gets that part of it. If I'm the Cardinals and I'm looking for the next Pobo, mm-hmm. I'm looking internally. Uh, who's, here's a guy that understands what it took to win when you won your World Series. He's a guy that gets players. He's a guy that gets the Cardinal way. Uh, maybe Bloom will wind up being the next Cardinals president of baseball operations when Mo steps down after whatever, whether his contract is up or he has an extension. But I'll tell you what, I... I think that you better be wary of losing a guy like Randy Flores if you're the Cardinals. Well, there were teams that were interested in Randy Flores, mm-hmm. and they have been the last couple of years. And, you know, Randy is a unique guy in the fact that he went back to USC and got uh, had a degree, went back, got a graduate degree, and then started his own business that was about evaluating players. And most saw that. I mean, most saw that this guy is an up-and-comer and loved what he was doing, and he's an up-and-comer in baseball circles because look at the drafts and the players that he's produced. So I'm with you, Randy. I mean, as I look forward, and whether it's next year or five years or ten years, Randy Flores has got to be in my organization. One way or another, he's got to be part of what they're doing moving forward. Yeah, Randy Flores makes a lot of sense. He is absolutely great and great as his job, as you guys mentioned there. And with Bloom coming in, 
in. I think that this will be a great collaboration with the organization and with Flores and what he's able to do. You have a lot of promising young arms in the organization right now, like a Takoe Roby, which they just added this past season, and even a Tink Kintz. And so the fact that he will be able to come in, and Dan, I think you're right. I think that you definitely could feel or see some of the fingerprints of how he probably has had a say in some of these latest pitching acquisitions for the Cardinals. I think that he's already been working because remember, these rumors started back in November that the Cardinals were going to possibly add him. I think it's just a different set of eyes. Just mm-hmm. just give me a different viewpoint. Last year was awful and you know we got humbled a little bit and maybe we're not doing things right. So tell me what we're doing Right, and tell me what we're doing wrong. And we got a minute here, and I maybe I shortchanged this, but at Cardinals.com, Bill DeWitt the third said, don't expect the Cardinals to increase their payroll significantly before spring training. If there's going to be a move by the Cardinals personnel-wise, it'll be money out for money in. I appreciate the honesty. But, but, and, and by the way, the Cardinals were never going to go out and sign Blake Snell or one of the remaining available starting pitchers. But if they make a move for a guy like Dylan Cease, who's probably going to get $8 million, they're probably going to have to trade an $8 million player. So I would be very surprised if this is not the roster that you see at Cardinals.com today that they take to spring training in a month. Right now, the Cardinals are 10th in baseball in payroll. Mm -hmm. So their 26-man roster is 173. Their 40-man competitive balance is 205, so $205 million. So in both categories, they're 10th in baseball. 100%. And I'm look, I do appreciate the honesty, but... Guys, if you could just see social media after that and the reaction, because I think people, one, recognizing that you don't understand or that you don't know 10th in baseball, that is a lot. But I think a lot of people were expecting an even bigger response. But Mm -hmm. I do appreciate we like where we're at right now. Now, could they still possibly add more? They could via trade, but they also could add another reliever. They could. I still think that the first month of the season is going to be rugged. Just yes. try, to, try to tread water for the first month of the season with what you got. Man, if, that, if schedule's, do it. that schedule <laughs> yes. is tough, It's not man. forgiving yeah. It is. I'm with you. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, get your text in to, and we, we got this thing on the show, Dan, so you got to participate. Uh, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service, text line 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399-YOHO. I, I tell you, I've been thinking about this, and uh, you guys do it so well. Gotta, I, th- I think I don't want to ruin it. Damn, we're a team. I'm just new to the show, and I'm trying to get my way through this. I'm, I'm kind of new to the business. It's, it's very easy. So Yo-ho. I just I easy like word. how you guys do it. I do. Well, you just want to admire. No, we want your beautiful voice. No, on no, it, Dan. You know, that's so sweet of you. Man. But you know, I'm just gonna make sure I. <laughs> Can you just, just try, it, try it once for us to indulge sure. us? Three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo ho. Yo ho. Oh yeah. You, you'll get better. You'll, you'll I'm get trying. Start. So you got to Yo. Ho. Yo. Yes. Okay, yeah. I'll work on it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Definitely, yes. we'll work on it. Uh, take it or leave it. Coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Dan, Matthew, and Randy. And kids, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but Aaron Rodgers had his end-of-season press conference with the Jets. And when asked what the Jets 
need to do to become a winning organization. He said, we need to flush the BS. He said, anything in this building that we're doing individually or collectively that has nothing to do with real winning needs to be assessed. If you want to be a winning organization and put yourself in a position to win championships and be competitive, everything that you do matters. And that BS that has nothing to do with winning needs to get out of the building. Take it or leave it. Aaron Rodgers needs to get out of the building. (laughs) (laughs) Four snaps, right? Yeah, four snaps and a lot of comments on the uh, Pat McAfee show that really had nothing to do with winning for the Jets. (laughs) I was more interested in what he had to say about uh, Jimmy Kimmel yesterday than he did about the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten to that point, right, with him? Oh, yeah. Jimmy Kimmel did a uh, open, and I don't watch late night guys anymore i I just after Mm -hmm. carson and david letterman and leno and all those guys i'm i'm done but i did see on social media jimmy kimmel he went off i mean he he roasted him it was good i mean and and obviously the statements were ridiculous can't do that Uh, yeah you can't exactly accuse someone of being on a certain island especially a controversial island with that list that just came out but I, with the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, to go back to your take it or leave it, I don't have to take it. But then again, he was just named by his own teammates the most inspirational player. Right, yeah. But is that more that everybody knows that this entire franchise now runs through him? It does. My, my thing is, it seems like I can't think of any other non-football issue with that team except for him. Every, everything else seems to be Zach Wilson was he was a football it was a bad football issue the the injuries were football issues it seemed like the non-football stuff was all pretty much a product of Aaron Rodgers did anything yeah. come out of hard knocks that was controversial I don't think so I don't either I mean outside of the fact like you said Aaron Rodgers was bringing in guys that he was affiliated with yeah. that most people thought in the league were done yeah and they mm-hmm. were they yeah. are yeah. Well, take it or leave it, guys. I don't know if you saw yesterday, but Blues general manager Doug Armstrong addressed media members to talk about some of those young Blues that we saw in the World Juniors and the great showing they had, including Team USA winning gold. Jimmy Snuggerud, your favorite. USA. 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 And you know that, that I have a Blues Snuggie, right? I know you do. Yeah. It's adorable. And we're we're going to put Jimmy Snuggerud's face on the Snuggie. We're oh, working nice. on like, some marketing Snuggie. here. Yeah. You going to get a tattoo of him like you did the last time? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> if he leads the Blues to a Stanley Cup. You need to get a Jimmy Snuggerud tattoo. Yeah, if they win the cup, right there. Yeah. Brooke, if they win the cup this year, we'll get back to your take it or leave it. Yes. But if they win the cup, Randy, and Jimmy contributes one second of ice time, you have to get a Jimmy Snuggerud face <laughs> on the, your other side of your back. If they win the cup and Snuggerud is the Connie Smythe winner. I mean, no, 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 no. You no, can't no. add no. other parameters no. to this. He, he just I'm said, with Danny on this we, one. We didn't Thank even you, know, yes. It wasn't a negotiation. No, it's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is either you're yeah, going to do I, it or you're not. I never... Okay, I'm not. If you're a true <laughs> Jimmy Snuggerud fan. I don't even know Jimmy Snuggerud. Oh, Randy, you, you've loved him. But going back to my take or leave it, <laughs> he spoke very highly, obviously, of Jimmy and the other players, and he even talked about Jimmy could even be here as soon as this season. Take it or leave it. Jimmy Snuggerud showed that he showed last night that he wants to be here as soon as possible because he had a hat trick for Minnesota. I'll take that. Yeah, as soon as the Frozen Four is over, I think he can come. I don't see him coming because I'm not sure the Blues are going to be in a position where why would you bring him up, especially after the gauntlet of games that they have? Yes. Why would you bring him up at the end of the season? I, I you know, get his feet wet at the, the National Hockey League, and I guess there's two ways to look at it. One would be he can help your team win, and mm-hmm. you're going down the stretch. The second part would be, if you're not very good, why not give him ice time? Because it doesn't matter anyway, and give him some experience. So I, I can see both sides of it, but I would not. I'll leave it. 
Doug Armstrong already was talking about how excited he is to see Robert Thomas and Jimmy Snuggerud together. Oh, and we're fun. all excited for that. All right, guys, take it or leave it. Outside of Michael Jordan and Nike, the greatest athlete endorsement relationship in the history of sports is Tiger and Nike. And he left Nike yesterday, or mutual parting of the ways. He had a 27-year partnership. He made $500 million in payments and billions in uh, sales generated for Nike. So is it outside of Jordan, is it the greatest endorsement relationship in the history of sports? I'm going to take oh, it. Yes. Yes, I'm going to take it. It's yeah. iconic. I can't believe that it's coming to an end. Do you guys remember in the Masters, and I can't remember what year it was, but he hits a chip and the ball is rolling, 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 and the, the camera person follows the ball and it rolls to where the Nike logo is right on the edge of the <laughs> cup and drops in. You could not have drawn it up any better mm-hmm. for Nike to have an in-game, or in this case, an in-golf event drop. I mean, it was awesome. And it was in 2005. Yeah, and the photo that Randy's showing right now, Tiger Sunday wearing red mm-hmm. with the Nike logo is something that it's... It's, it's iconic. Yeah, totally iconic. It's in your brain, etched forever. Yeah, and that's to me, that's my favorite Tiger Woods photo, the fist, fist pump after the amazing shot on 16 in the 2005 Masters. Is there another one that comes to mind that's even close to a relationship like uh, Tiger and oh, Nike? Man. Uh, no, you because there's no other basketball... Players. They just think of athletes. I, I can't think of anything even close. Mm-mm. Maybe Serena and Nike, but not. That's yeah, not. But it's yeah. not to Tiger. Tiger is. It, it is an iconic partnership, and the, he made Nike golf. He, mm. he made absolutely. He made Nike golf, and Nike golf will not exist probably anymore. Do you know they went in when they were doing prototypes of a driver? with Tiger. So he put his input on everything. He said, no, no, no. If I'm going to be your spokesman, I'm coming in with the clubs, the ball, everything. And he, they, they obviously they do this with computers and they do it with the, the computerized swing and all this stuff. And he says to them, he said, no, no, no. He said, this driver is, is just a, a little bit heavy. It wound up being the weight of a dollar bill yeah and he could tell the milligram or something yeah and he could tell the difference yeah by the way one other note about those nike clubs if you bought nike clubs what tiger had nike do was knock off his titleist clubs perfectly yes so he was essentially hitting nike clubs that were an exact (laughs) replica of the titleist that he preferred the 618 brings up a great point bo jackson the bo nose oh yeah Yeah. that was Mm -hmm. pretty good yeah john daly and hooters was another text oh that's a great one yeah I think you guys are just forgetting <laughs> forgetting maybe the best one ever, which is um, P.F. Flyers and Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Oh, that's a good one. I wanted P.F. Flyers so bad when I was a little kid because of that movie. Okay. Randy, who is uh, Coke and a Smile? Who is the Mean Joe Green? Uh, mean Joe Green. Green. Yeah. How about uh, Walter Payton and Kangaroos? That's another one. <laughs> I'm serious Roos. about that. Yeah, Roos were here. They were based in St. Louis. And before Nike, Shout out Charlie. Converse had, you know, it was Magic Johnson. Yep. It was Larry Bird. You know, those guys but were iconic with that for a while. Those, to the no. level of the, the big mm-hmm. two with Michael and, and Tiger. No. All right, uh, Matthew, what do you got on the text line? Which, by the way, is 314 399 Yo-ho! Take it or leave it. The final spot is going to keep right trying to trap no, you. It's going to happen. It's got to happen organically, Randy. We just got to okay. in, infect him with it. Yeah, you take it or leave that it. One. Take it or leave it. The final spot on the 40 man roster will be taken by Victor Scott. Uh, the second. No, I'm going to leave that. They aren't going to. 
They're going to put him on the 40 no. man if they don't have to. No, I would say that they wait. Uh, no reason to take that spot. Like you said, unless they he forces the issue and comes up and winds up being a part of the team, let's say, after the All-Star break, mm-hmm. which is not far-fetched. Yeah, oh. or as we saw this past season, injuries happen. And that also can happen, sure. too, where somebody gets called up. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals have a big enough fan base to get it, to get ahead of the Bally's problem and make their own network. I'll take it. I have looked at some of the, the Bally's entities that are out there, and I think it's the number one reason why we haven't seen movement on oh. the free agency front. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. the uncertainty of the guaranteed money that you're going to get or that you're not going to get. And I think a lot of teams have stayed away just because – you know what? We're not sure we can do anything with this. Like, Texas has done basically nothing coming off a World Series, and there's uncertainty with their TV market. And a hearing tomorrow in which Major League Baseball wants Bally to commit to paying those rights fees for the entirety of the 2024 season. And if they don't, then we're probably going to wind up in more litigation. By the way, the final AP rankings came out. Mizzou ranked number eight in the final AP rankings for 2023. Good job, Eli and the gang. Speaking of the NCAA, take it or leave it. The NCAA only cares about fair play if it doesn't affect revenues they generate. KU and Michigan being the current champions proves that. Mizzou and others receive harsh punishments for violations that didn't come close to what those schools do. <laughs> Lesson learned. That. Don't don't go to them with what you did wrong. No. That's what you just let an investigation happen. You get a little slap on the wrist. Yeah. Or maybe blue blood. You know what's going to happen, though, with Michigan? They are going to get a slap on the wrist. They're in. I. Listen to some people say that there's going to be an asterisk next to this national championship. No, there's not. They won. You went out and dominated whether or not you're stealing signs. Towards the end of the season, you won the Big Ten championship in a blowout. You beat Alabama, which arguably would have won the national championship if they get past Michigan. And then you beat the team last night that got past Texas in Washington. You you did it, and it's done with, and you win the, the national title. And the NCAA is not going to mess with Blue Bloods, ultimately. They're going to mess with no. Duke or Carolina or Kansas in basketball. Not going to mess with Notre Dame or Texas or Michigan in football. Even Ohio State, uh, they didn't suffer many penalties for the whole uh, Terrell Pryor thing. So it's it's about being a Blue Blood. Let's be honest. What kind of infractions can you get now anyway? You got NIL. You can pay kids. You can. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I mean... There's not much you can do. You violate the recruiting period for high school kids. You can get a cheeseburger. Yeah. I mean, come on. Can't do that. Can't (laughs) do that. Hey, thanks very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, where does Michigan go from here? We talk about Harbaugh, but will Michigan be as good as they were this year, next year? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hail, hail, Michigan. They are the champions of college football 2023. 8.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and a dominant win for Michigan over Washington in last night's college football playoff championship game. 34-13 was the final. Michigan wins for the first time since 1997, the first time since Jim Harbaugh became their head coach a decade ago. And there was a lot that went into the Michigan season this year. It started with Cheeseburger Gate, and uh, Jim Harbaugh (laughs) was suspended for the first three 
games of the season. The last three games of the regular season, he was suspended because Connor Stallions was stealing signs from other teams. And here they are, despite all of that, despite Jim Harbaugh not being on the sideline for six games this year, they're undefeated and they are the national champions. Do you think Connor Stallions was in the building? Because he was at the mm-hmm. Rose Bowl. I don't know if you saw that. He was in the stands for the Rose Bowl. Had to be. Had to be. Hidden somewhere, but he had to be there. Yeah. Don't you think? Hanging out in the John Harbaugh booth. Maybe so. Oh, no. (laughs) Maybe so. So, All of those off-the-field issues, uh, what about overcoming those, Coach Jim Harbaugh? It couldn't have gone better. It went exactly how we wanted it to go, uh, to win every game. Uh, The off the field issues, we're innocent. And, and we stood we stood strong and tall because we knew we were innocent. And I just like to point that out. And these guys, these guys are innocent. And yeah, overcome that. Um, it wasn't that hard because we we knew we were innocent. So um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's really what I want to say. Sure. It went yeah. exactly how we wanted it to go. They went exactly how we wanted it to go. Yeah. So be better. Be better is basically what he's saying. Mm -hmm. The sign stealing stuff, I will have to say, at the end of the day, it's up to the players to execute. You can steal all the signs in the world, but if you don't have the personnel on the field to be able to accomplish that, Mm -hmm. then it really doesn't matter. And Michigan, as you mentioned, Dan, earlier, by far was the most talented team this season. Yeah, 538 to 156 is the total now for the 2023-424 season of what they outscored their opponents with um and they had a senior laden lineup it's not to say that washington didn't washington had nine six-year players on their team nine it's amazing and michigan went to the transfer portal they they had a, a decent nucleus but they had built up for this year and that's why i think jim harbaugh is gone i i think that he looks at this and he said okay senior laden team suspensions dealing with the ncaa you got a 12-team playoff next year you have the expansion of the big 10. Remember, they're going to add Washington, Oregon, USC, and uh, there's another team, too, that I'm forgetting. Um, UCLA. UCLA. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be harder to win. So for him to come back and do this, I think all signs point to him saying, you know what? I don't need the headache. I'll just go make a bundle of money and I'll go to the National Football League and I'll have my pick of the litter, so to speak, of where I want to go. And Jim was asked if he wants to win a Super Bowl. I just want to enjoy this. I just want to enjoy this. I hope you give me that, you know, Can a guy have that? Does it, does it always have to be, you know, what's next? What's, what's the future? You know, like I said the other day, yeah, I hope, I hope to have a future. Hope there's a tomorrow, a day after tomorrow, you know, a next week, a next month, a next year. Yeah, probably this week that he becomes a head coach in the NFL. He probably finished that night and obviously with the celebration and then got with his agent and said, mm-hmm. okay, what are we looking at? Yep. Because you also had a ton of firings yesterday, so there's even more job openings. I, tr- I translated that as him saying, I'd like to continue to live? Yeah, that's okay. basically all right. I, I, good. Good. I, so I don't want to look into it. Dad, in, in addition to what you said about the league changing and Ohio State's going to be back, even though their quarterback situation is in flux, they're going to lose J.J. McCarthy probably. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose Blake Corum. They're going to lose a couple of offensive linemen. They're going to lose uh, St. Ristol on, on the defensive side of the ball. And it is in college football all the time. It's start over mode. He might not want to start over. He's I, I reached agree. the mountaintop. Don't you think you, you just get sick of the headaches, too? And it's easy for us 
to sit there and go, well, he was suspended for these three games and then came back and then got suspended. I mean, if you're in the the throes of that, mm-hmm. that's exhausting. You know, that mm-hmm. that's just, you know what, I've had enough. I'm done with it, and I'm moving on, and that chapter is done. I went back to my alma mater. I won the national title, and again, I'm going to the NFL, and I'm going to get paid. Exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen, I think, with this situation. It's just setting up perfectly. This was the perfect mic drop for him, where he was able to end on such a high note. And you mentioned there, senior-laden group that he had. It's the perfect ending for him to be able to say, okay, I accomplished this. It, it's like I likened to the movies earlier, where you just have basically a big heist, the last one, and then he's able to pull away and vanish. And there's a huge advantage here for Michigan in winning the championship, because most of the head coaching jobs have been filled. Sharon Moore went 3-0 and as the head coach of Michigan when Jim Harbaugh wasn't there. If Harbaugh leaves, they can keep the staff together. They can just promote Sharon Moore to be the head coach. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the young players that are on hand, and by the way, they have 20 fourth, fifth, and six-year seniors among their starters, plus McCarthy, who's not. So it's going to be a different-looking team. But Sharon Moore has been a huge part of recruiting the players that are going to be rising on the Michigan uh, roster next year. So it might work out ideally for them that they went this far. If Harbaugh leaves, just keep everything together and and promote Sharon Moore. I thought last night was an okay game. It wasn't great. It was okay from the entertainment value of it. I just thought Michigan was in control the whole time. It wasn't a true blowout. Um, But it does get me excited about the the, the 12-team playoff for next year Mm -hmm. and randy just mentioned it if you missed it earlier mizzou finished eighth in the uh in the national rankings i I can't believe that there's going to be uh, a more anticipated season in missouri history than going into next year the fact that your schedule is conducive to winning um it's a 12 field playoff and you've got a chance to be a national championship team with these kids coming back I, mean, I don't think that's far-fetched. No, it's not far-fetched. I think that that's the expectation now. And, of course, we talked about yesterday you have the exit of Baker, and so then you wonder about who will come in as the defensive coordinator for Mizzou now. But, honestly, with what Eli Drinkwitz has been able to build over there, it's not that far off to believe that they'll be able to make the 12-team playoff. I think that that is the expectation for Mizzou next it's season. mine, for sure. And my only question is going to be, this year they came into the season not only with Blake Baker as their defensive coordinator, but it was the second most experienced defense in all of college football. Mm -hmm. Now, much of that defense is walking away, including two NFL cornerbacks, your best defensive players in Bailey and and Tyron Hopper. You're going to lose Darius Robinson, who was your best defensive lineman. So there's and it's college football, you have to do this, there's some replacing to do. It'll be really interesting to see whether the transfer portal and or what they have in in place in terms of rising players can replace what Mizzou lost this year. Can you be footballed out? I'm not footballed out. I wish there was more college football coming. I love college football. I just love it. And last night was the culmination of it. I was kind of sad, though, that the Pac-12 is done. You know, watching Washington, they've had so many great teams and players that have come from the... Uh, you know, now the Pac-12, but I, I'm I'm just disappointed that that conference is done. I thought Chip Kelly, what he said at UCLA, I think what the Ole Miss uh, head coach has said, Lane uh, Kiffin, Lane Kiffin yes. what he said about what's happening right now with the transfer portal is is correct. There needs to be a correction in college football, but generally speaking, the product is magnificent. It's the great. Pro- oh, it, it's been excellent. You well, have to watch it. It's it's must-watch TV every single week, and I hate to see it go, but you're right, Dan. I was hoping for more of a storybook ending for the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. It was far from it. Don't you love the fact that in these games, 
we never hear about officiating. We never talk about officiating at the college level when you get to the CFP. We always hear about it in the NFL, but we never hear about bad officiating in college football. I, why do you think that is? It's a good point. I think because the NFL just has too many rules. Yeah, and these are be. these are easy, these rules that the college football has. They aren't difficult to call, and I think sometimes no. in the NFL they make it more difficult than it needs to be. The speed of the game is so ridiculous yep. too on the college level and the pro level. That's a good point. I hadn't thought much about that. That's why I like watching college more than pro because the game just seems to be smoother. It doesn't lurch like it does in the NFL many times. No, and you did have that holding penalty on Odun's Day. You did you mm-hmm. guys remember that? But even then, the game it, I felt like it was a turning point, but the momentum was always on watch or, or on Michigan's side. Yeah, and I thought that. It affected his ability to get to the ball. What's yes. a bigger story, Bill Belichick or Jim Harbaugh from NFL terms as we sit mm. now the day after the national title? I think Harbaugh is. I think so, too, because it, he just has his pick of where to go right now. And it just makes a lot of sense, as you mentioned, getting away from this whole sign-stealing scandal that is happening with Michigan. He's able to move away from that. And really, he was able to separate himself from that narrative of the story anyways. And now he gets to go to the NFL and not have to deal with all these huge changes with college football. I, I think if, if you're Jim Harbaugh, you're just done with the headache. Yeah. Yes. You're done right. with recruiting 17, 18-year-old kids, figuring out the transfer portal. Am I going to beat the NCAA? I think you're just done with it. Okay, so apparently Harbaugh and Mark Davis have mutual interest with the Raiders. How about Belichick to the Chargers, Harbaugh to the Raiders, and then you've got Reed and Peyton in that division too. It's, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the most interesting job out there would be the Chargers for me mm-hmm. because you have a yeah. franchise QB. No doubt. And if I'm going to bring somebody in like Jim Harbaugh, it seems to be the perfect marriage in that regard. Yes. Absolutely. I don't want to and see Antonio Pierce lose his job, by the way, either. either. I, I, I thought either. he did a really good job. Well, he and did. the players really have gravitated yeah. towards yes. him. They like him And, and if you're the Raiders, can you do it again after missing out on Basaccia? And he won with them and then went downhill. You know what you got in Pierce. And does Mark Davis want to pay three coaches? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> that's what he's going to have to yeah. do. Yep. That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues in action against the Panthers tonight at Enterprise Center. We're going to talk to the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Tonight we've got Blues Hockey. The Panthers and Matthew Kachuk are in town. 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN and on Bally Sports, where John Kelly will have the call with Jamie Rivers. And John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues, joins us now as he does every Tuesday morning here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, JK. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Everything's good, and uh, we should be doing well with as well as this team is playing. They're, uh, I, I'm really surprised, pleasantly surprised by what's transpired. What do you think has happened? Well, they're seven and three since the coaching change, and I think that the biggest thing that I have seen since the change is that, especially lately, they're playing better defensively. And you know, you look at what they've done in the last couple of weeks shutting down Nathan McKinnon of the Avalanche. They lost the game 2-1, to one, but McKinnon had his 19-game point streak come to an end. They did a great job against Vancouver, a team that, um, you know, won in Jersey the other night. Last night, they blitzed the Rangers in New York. 
they're a really good team. The Blues won that game two to one. And then, you know, on, on Saturday in Carolina, they stopped the Hurricanes, a really good team that um, had won five in a row, and their best players, Svechikov and Ajo, had six-game point streaks going into that game, and they were held point. So I, I think the biggest thing is that the Blues are more competitive and they, they're playing better defensive hockey, and that's led to more wins. And, John, I think another big part of that is Jordan Middington, the way that he has really just settled in for the Blues, especially after the holiday break. He's allowed just four goals in his past three games, stopping 75 of 79 shots. What have you seen from him lately? Well, you're right. I mean, Brooke, anytime you talk about defensive play and, and team defensive play, it starts in goal. Um, and we all know it, it's like pitching in baseball. It affects the game so much. So when you have great starting goaltending, it, it's been you know fantastic. And Joel Hofer, um, you can't forget about him. He played great in Florida just before Christmas, and the Blues won that game. I think he stopped 37 of 38. So you know they've had great goaltending. So you know what have I seen from Bennington? He's aggressive, he's challenging, uh, confident, and just making great saves. So hopefully that can continue against the Panther Club. I mentioned that the Blues beat them. Um, before Christmas. Well, since then, they won seven straight. So I think they, they got the, the Panthers, you know, mad because they're really hot coming in here. They scored eight goals in the last game in Denver, so this is going to be a challenge tonight. Hey, J.K., great to hear your voice. Uh, doing a great job, as always, this year. Jimmy Snuggerud, um is kind of a name that, that fans are excited about. Do, would you see or envision any point in time he'd come to St. Louis this year and kind of a secondary question to that is what what would need to happen to see Snuggerud up with the Blues? Well, Dan, I think there's a good chance of that. And by the way, good to talk to you as well. Um, he obviously had a great World Junior Championship and is having a great season with the Minnesota Gophers. So um, I think there's a good chance he does turn pro, Dan. Um, but, you know, that's obviously more up to the young man and his family and than the Blues. But you know, in talking to some of the scouts, I think they feel that he's ready. So, you know, Doug Armstrong was just there. We're going to actually have Doug, I believe, in our booth tonight. And I'm going to ask Doug about that, you know, the timeline for Snuggerud. But it wouldn't shock me if he turns pro. And, you know, depending on where the Blues are at the time and, uh, you know, how they're going and things like that, you know, maybe he makes a start with the St. Louis Blues. I don't know. Um, but I think there's a decent chance that could happen this year. John Kelly with us on 101 ESPN. And, J.K., we've talked a lot about the, the hot teams that the Blues are playing and a hot player tonight, obviously, in Matthew Kachuk. It's always fun to see him in town. But we, we watched him go to the finals last year and pretty much carry a team to the finals. I said earlier I think that Matthew Kachuk is a top-five player in the NHL. Is that wrong? Well, he was, a, he was a finalist for the Hart Trophy last year, Randy, and had a tremendous year, so... Um, you know, for whatever reason, early on, it wasn't working for Matthew. Um, but as you said, he's gotten hot. He has points in five straight game goals and three straight. So it was only a matter of time. He's just too good a player. And the reason I like a guy like Matthew, like a lot of players, is he can impact the game so much in so many different ways, whether it's scoring goals or, or assisting on goals or fighting or big hits or things like that. Um, you know, you're right. He willed that Panther club to – the final last year. I think he scored three overtime goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs, if I'm not correct. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he was marvelous. Um, again, a sort of a slow start this year. Uh, but the Blues are catching Matthew, the hometown kid, I guess, at the wrong time because, as you said, he's got points in five straight. What have you thought of Jake Neighbors? We talked about him a lot this season, but he just continues to impress me with his growth that we have seen throughout the season. What have you thought of his play? 
I think he's been great, Brooke. And, you know, here's a young kid that, you know, was up and down a lot the last couple of years between, you know, Springfield and St. Louis and showed some great bursts and things like that. Um, but he's more consistent now in his game. And, he, you know, he's just a smart player and does the things that you want players to do and, you know, get pucks deep and take the man and, you know, back check and things like that and go to the net and, and all those things. So he's a really, really nice, respectful person as well, which I think goes a long way in the locker room and, you know, around the team. Um, he's just a great kid, and he's going to have a long career here. You know, whether he's going to be, a you know, a number one left winger or, you know, number two left winger, it's, it's really hard to say. Right now he is playing in the top six with Braden Shen. So um, he's come a long way in the last year. So it's really exciting. And quite honestly, um, I think he's really surpassed expectations this year. I, I'm not sure if, you know, the Blues had him in double digits in goal, you know, before the midway point this year. Because, you know, again, he really never was a consistent player up here. Um, prior to this year. So I think I think his growth is probably a little bit unexpected, but certainly welcomed by the Blues. So Braden Shen, J.K., no points in his last 12 games, but the shootout goal may get him going. Uh, no goals in his last 16. So is that something that you, you see going well for the captain, maybe to jumpstart his season? You know, Dan, that's a good question. Uh, obviously, you know, you score a goal like that and the, the team wins the game and they get two points. It's, it's It should go you know, a long ways for your confidence. But at the same time, it's a shootout goal, right? Exactly. It's, it's a skills goal. It's it's not in, in five on five or four on four or whatever. So I'm going to talk to Braden about that today because um, he is he is in the worst slump of his career. He's getting chances and his line is playing pretty well. Um, but obviously the Blues need him scoring and they need point production from, from Braden Chen. So, you know, that's that's really a really good question to see if, if – it will spark him, and I guess uh, we'll find out on the ice tonight or you know down the road. But you know that was a big goal for the Blues, and obviously it got him two points. And, and Johnny, if he's not scoring, can you explain to a fan base or those that are the casual fan what he can do as a captain? So he's wearing the C, may not be putting up points, but what he does to try to enhance what the Blues can do by wearing the C. Well, Dan, I think the biggest thing that the reason they chose Braden for the captaincy is is he leads by example. And, um, you know, w- you know what he does off the ice in the locker room and things like that, we don't really know. Um, but we do know that when he, when he puts on that blue note, he leads by example every night. And to me, that's the best example of a captain. I go back to the days of, you know, Brian Sutter when he was the captain of the Blues. I mean, that guy just – laid it on the line every single night, like a lot of the Blues captains have done over the years. Um, so I, I think that he was the right choice and is the perfect choice. Um, but, he, you know, he kills penalties, plays power play, things like that, um, hits, fights. Um, so he, he's he's leading by example, and I think that's the biggest thing you want from your captain. John, before we let you go, on Saturday night, the Blues will reach the midpoint of the season. It'll be game number 41. Man, it gets here in a hurry, doesn't it? It really does. It just seems like yesterday the Blues were in Dallas open the season and time flies. Um, it, you know, it's been, for the most part, a, a pretty good season. Obviously, uh, you know, the Blues had some low uh, lows this year. You know, you'd love to go back in time and, and play the Sharks again and play Chicago again in Columbus. Those are three of the games that, you know, the Blues really should have won against teams that were either A, bad or, you know, number B, struggling. Um, or both, and the Blues didn't win those games. So, um, you know, but overall, I think that 
you know, they're in the fight and they have just over half a season to go and hopefully they can stay in the fight. John Kelly, always good to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. And we will be tuned in tonight for the Blues and the Panthers. I'm Bally and Doug Armstrong in the booth with you guys. Okay, thanks, guys. Have a good day. You too, thank you. John Kelly, TV Voice of the Blues, with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, we do, do we need a new fighter? Did I yes, lose a fight yesterday? Oh, okay. As always. Okay, we need a new fighter. Uh, all you need to do is text into the uh, Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! Text in with your name and the word fight. Dan, did you participate there? No. Uh, no. Oh. Eventually. Okay. Eventually. We'll 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 that's out of your mouth, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Drive Randy Carriker, Brooke Grimsley here alongside joining us now. Welcome, Daddy Mac. Yes, I know ma'am. that you have been here before, but still. Yeah, back in the saddle. Back in the this. saddle on uh, morning drives. So looking forward to it. Do you enjoy these fights with Randy? You had to. You used to have to produce these questions for him, right? Uh, or have you ever had to do that before? I never had to do that for him, but I would basically listen to him recite a sports encyclopedia every night back in, you know, <laughs> 2000 no it was before then like in the mid 90s yeah and all he would you know somebody would call in and he'd say mike in st louis how are you doing sir and then mike would have a question and randy would rat off the answer so i've been doing this uh for a long time listening to randy uh basically know everything in sports yeah no mega mind for a reason you, you got know, it just casually you got it <laughs> and we're gonna welcome in our fighter today colin how are you doing doing good guys how are you this morning good we're doing great you ready to take on randy character in the fight I will do my best here. All right. We'll get started with question number one. The Bengals 2000 wide receiver duo of TJ Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson were unique for a lot of reasons, including being the rare wide receiver pairing that played together in college and the pros. Which Pac-10 school did they both play their college ball at? Was it Oregon State, San Diego State, or Washington State? I believe it was Oregon State. Final answer? Final answer. Okay. Who is the last Heisman Trophy winner to take home the national title in the same season? Devontae Smith, Derrick Henry, Jameis Winston. I believe that is Devontae Smith. Final answer. Following last night's loss for Pac-12 football, the conference will officially go its final 51 years in existence without a consensus national champion. Which Pac-8 member won the last consensus title for the conference back in 1972? Was it Arizona State, USC, or Stanford? I don't know. Let's go with Stanford. Final answer. Question four, who caught Kurt Warner's first touchdown pass in St. Louis? Robert Holcomb, Ernie Conwell, Roland Williams. Let's go with uh, Robert Holcomb, final answer. All right. All right, we will double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Colin, how are you feeling? 
Uh, not great. Not a big Pac-12 fan, so those questions were a little bit difficult. What do you mean? You don't know the Pac-8? Come on. <laughs> Pac-8, yeah, yeah. Pac-8. People forget that there was a Pac-8. Yeah. And look who comes rolling in, Mr. Randy Carricker. What, you go get a snack or something that you have to I have Rocco get you? You didn't, you didn't watch me walk out with my grapes? Oh, okay. Oh, he's all about the grapes. You got to hang out, though, by the door, and you should know this by now. Uh-huh. I've done a lot of shows with you and done Morning Drive with you. Mm-hmm. You need to be hanging around the door. Because then we all get nervous. Where's Randy? We yeah, need to have he's a, always there. I'm out there talking to people. I was talking there. to learn. Okay. Well, I'm I just King out Scott. there chit-chatting. Yeah. It's it's an excuse. Gives me a little exercise. <laughs> There's King Scott right there. Well, oh, we need to focus on is. this show. <laughs> well, Randy, say hi to Colin. Colin, Colin is your fighter today. Uh, good morning. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, Randy. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. All right. With the grapes ready to go, diet Dr. Pepper today. Yes. You ready to take on Colin? <laughs> I am ready. Question number one, Randy. The Bengals 2000 wide receiver, receiver duo of TJ Hushmanzana and Chad Johnson were unique for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. including being the rare wide receiver pairing that le- that played together in college and the pros. Which Pac-10 school did they both play their college ball at? So this is uh, TJ Hushmanzada and Ocho Cinco, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. TJ Hushmanzada is a really good guest, by the way, for many uh, NFL Immaculate Grids because he, he bounced around. He actually played for a lot of teams. So use that one, kids. Pro tip. Uh, <laughs> Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada both played, I believe, at Oregon State. They were beavers. Question two. Ah, nice beaver. Who is the last Heisman Trophy winner to take home the national title in the same season? Uh, I'll tell you what, it's 840, and it was a lot of fun being with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dan is uh, is trying to find different ways to exit right in now. In hour 40, we got fired. <laughs> Canceled about 20 times. from Naked Gun. Thanks, I, I just had it stuffed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Focus. Okay, can I get the question again? <laughs> sure, Randy. Okay. Who is the last Heisman Trophy winner to take home? What a transition. Who is the last Heisman Trophy winner to take home the national title in the same season? Okay. Mm. You may have thrown yourself off your own game. Who would it have been, Tebow? Um, Ingram. You know who I think might have... I'm going to go with the, uh, just in case, I'm going to go with the lifeline here. And if I hear this name, I'm going to give it to you. Now I'm going to give you all three, right? Yes. Devontae Smith, Derrick Henry, Jameis Winston. Oh, Jameis Winston. That would have been 13. I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. That's the name that popped into my mind. I'm going to go with Derrick Henry from Alabama. Question three, please. Following last night's loss for Pac-12 football, the conference will officially go its final 51 years in existence without a consensus national champion. Really? Which Pac-8 member won the last consensus title for the conference back in 1972? That's amazing to me that they didn't have a a national champion. Well, you have the revoked one, which I'm not counting here. Okay, got it. Because it's revoked. I am still going to go... With Southern California. I'm going to go with USC. I'm just going to play the odds there. Uh, I think DV? D, no, DV didn't win a championship, but he did win the Rose Bowl. But, uh, and that was at UCLA. But I'm going to go with USC because it just makes sense. Question four. Who caught Kurt Warner's first touchdown pass in St. Louis? 
Kurt Warner's first touchdown pass, 1999, Baltimore Ravens opponent. I'm going to say that it was 86, Roland Williams. It's a spectacle. I'm going to go with Roland Williams, Dan. All right, Matthew. This was an incredibly close fight. Just a one-question win. Thankfully, my tiebreaker will survive another day. We have an outright winner in today's fight. Does Randy Carricker continue to roll on through the start of this year with his winning streak? Or is Colin going to play spoiler here on a Tuesday? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. I'm sorry, Colin. You got close. Randy Carricker needed the last question to beat you, and he beat you three to two today. Thanks so much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you for Colin. joining the show. Yeah. Let's uh, go through the questions and answers. The Bengals' 2000s wide receiver duo of TJ Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson slash Ocho Cinco were unique for a lot of reasons, including that they played together in both college and the pros, and that was, in fact, Oregon State, the member of the Pac-10 at the time. I'm to check. Did they play JUCO together, too? Um, I thought they did. They might have played Juco together. Like yeah, the and that's how, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's that. how they they wound up going to yeah. Oregon State together. Because yeah. but TJ went TJ left Juco a year before because he because TJ played two years at Oregon State. Chad Johnson only played one. So Guys, I guess he okay. left a year a year earlier from. So the, they wouldn't um, have played together then. Yeah, maybe yeah. I don't know if they went to the same one or, or how that worked. Okay. Uh, the last Heisman Trophy winner to take home the national title in the same season back in 2020, Devonta Smith took it home and then mm-hmm. had the big game in the national title game. Twelve catches, 200 yards, a couple touchdowns, just set a bunch of records Pretty there. Good. Following. Last night's loss for Washington, the conference will go its final 51 years in existence without an unrevoked consensus national champion. They claim 14 national titles between 1972 and 2011. The only one where there's no other no other person in the poll at number one with them or that has been revoked by the NCAA was the 1972 title. They went 12-0 and took that one home without any questions or things around it. What a program. What a program. And who caught Kurt Warner's first touchdown pass in St. Louis? It was, in fact, the name you would not expect number 86 Roland Williams and that is the winning question for Randy Carricker a 3-2 win today in the fight Colin thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today thanks guys thanks Colin so Brooke when your uh, Tennessee Titans beat the Rams down in Tennessee during the uh, 1999 season Roland Williams took a couple of holding penalties early on and Dick Vermeil went to him and said I can't play you in a big game Poor Roland Williams. What happened to Ernie Conwell? What's he doing now? He lives in Nashville, and I believe he's a pastor. That's what I thought. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thought he was in both. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. Mark Bulger lives in Nashville, too. Good dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good, good guys. Yeah. Nashville. In fact, when you are down there the next time, we need to get you down to uh, Mark's. He's got a... Uh, a curling facility. It's like curling in a bar. It's it's amazing. And Mark Bulger owns it. He wanted to be on the U.S. Olympic curling team, so he opened a curling facility down in Nashville. In Nashville? Yeah. Oh. I, I can tell you what it's called. Maybe okay. you've heard of it. Hold on. Let's do the Google Music machine here. Music City Curling. And some of those guys did uh, bobsledding. They went from football Herschel to bobsledding. Herschel Walker. Yep. Herschel yep. Walker was one of them for sure. Mm. Uh, curling? I didn't expect that. Yeah. Well, I didn't expect the curling. Uh, so Bullock, Jared Allen... Mark and another former uh, member of the Titans mm-hmm. got together, and they didn't have anything going on. They've got all this money, and they decided, you know, let's do something that's different, try <laughs> to make the Olympics. So they decided on curling. Well, wow. if you got a broom, you're in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need the other. What's the other thing besides the broom? Oh, gosh. Like a shuffle, the, shuffleboard the, the stone? 
looks for uh, stone. Yeah, yeah. You need the you need the curling stone. What yeah. do you what do you push the stone with though? Besides a broom, uh, what's the like? No, it's got, it's got a it's got a handle on it, and you slide the stone down there, and right. then you have two shuffleboard but a, things. But then you there's go the little at, thing. I know what you're talking the, about the thing that kind of that you see them pushing that it yeah. looks like a broom. Is it not are they not like both like a like a squeegee and a broom? Is it not I thought you, you like rolled it. There's gonna be some technical you names. Slide to, to the line <laughs> and you have it in your hand and you slide the stone down. Yeah. That's what I thought. Do you want uh the Mark's place is called T line. T E E line. And uh if you want to get them on, we can we can talk about it. Oh, Mark's talk great. about curling? Yep. Uh, yeah, it sounds like we might need some help with that a little bit. Sure, we can do that. <laughs> it's called a curling broom or quote unquote a blackjack. Okay. Is the okay. is the colloquial term they use in the sport for it. So now you know via radio. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Interesting. All right. Uh, coming up here on 101 ESPN, there are five NFL teams at the moment looking for new head coaches. Where do they go from here? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Drive on 101 ESPN. No, five, not doing it. Five coaching openings. Not doing it, Randy. Dan, you told me some news that I didn't was not, not aware of. Sports it. of sports news that I wasn't aware of. Oscar mm. Pistorius is uh, out now and and trying he's, to move on. Yeah, he's he's going to bounce out of there. Oh, right. and you tried to. Gonna, he wanted he's, me he's to fist bump him. I'm, I'm not doing it. Telling all his cellmates, Oscar Pistorius says, "I'm going to bounce." Hey, he did. So the uh, you know who his favorite all time. <laughs> his favorite all time. You know, the commanders. Players. Uh, fired Ron Rivera. Uh, Bill Belichick is still out there. We don't know about Jim Harbaugh. How about that Antonio Pierce? Well, uh, not sure what happens with him. Let's go one at a time here. Let's. There are five openings right now in the NFL. See, I got him back. I got him there focused. You go. You've got <laughs> Vegas. You've got Carolina. You've got the Chargers. And now you've got the two that were opened up yesterday, Atlanta and mm-hmm. Washington. Let's start with Vegas because... Pretty much everybody seems to think that Antonio Pierce should be the guy, except for maybe Mark Davis. But I saw enough of the Raiders down the stretch that I think they should be a team that is coached by Antonio Pierce. It makes a lot of sense to me. The way that the players have really gravitated towards him, I think that that's something that, if I'm Mark Davis, that I would pay attention to. They seem to really like him, and this would be a huge opportunity for him. Now, I did find it interesting, amongst the reports yesterday about these positions and openings and who's going to go where, that there were reports that Bill Belichick would be reportedly interested in the job with the Raiders. That would shock me. Although he was buddies with Al Davis. I don't know why people, why coaches want to work for Mark Davis. Well, the other thing is, how much is the appetite there for Mark Davis to spend and be paying three coaches? Yeah. He's pay, I, mean, he's, he, I don't think he wants to do that. Yeah, $100 million to Gruden, roughly. And then McDaniel's making huge money. Antonio Pierce is not going to break the bank there. Now, Mark Davis says he doesn't care about how much money he spends. He just wants to win. But his best chance to win might be with Antonio Pierce. I, I look at these coaches, and I look at the openings, and then I just say, okay, who's got a franchise QB that I can work with if I'm that coach? Takes two to tango. That's why I think Harbaugh makes the most sense with the Chargers. San Diego. That's yeah. where I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that would be the best position. If he, after everything that we talked about that happened with Michigan, and he has his pick of where he can go, you're looking at the Chargers. That makes a lot of sense for anybody. But do you think that's also appealing for, I mean, Bill Belichick? When you hear franchise yes. quarterback and the fact that he could come in, try to really reestablish himself. And it would make the most sense because they've got the franchise quarterback. But Belichick grew up 
in Annapolis, Maryland, an hour away from the commander's facility. Uh, he, he apparently, by all accounts, loves that area. They don't have the quarterback, but Josh Harris is willing to pay him and give him the control that he desires. I don't know if the Spanos family wants to give up total control, and Belichick wants total control. Now, the Spanos though? family would have to do that to, for Harbaugh, too, by because the way. Because yesterday he said that he was willing to kind of move a little bit out of player personnel, mm-hmm. which would open, I would think, more doors for him mm-hmm. leaving New England if that's what he wants to do. He might know that regardless of what is said in New England, yeah. that he's going to be in charge. So he, he can say, yeah, the, well, I'll, I'll let somebody else run personnel, but then behind the scenes, he's going to be the guy anyway. So since Tom Brady left, they did not have a first-round pick in 2020, so he's kind of running their drafts. In 2021, it was Mac Jones. 22, they had Cole Strange. Yikes. Did start every game as a rookie, but he's an offensive guard. And then uh, this last year was Christian Gonzalez. He was the defensive rookie player, uh, rookie of the month in September, but got hurt mm-hmm. and didn't play all that much. So their drafts haven't been all that great. And the big one is the quarterback. He's yeah. failed on the quarterbacks. So we've already we're doing our magic here. We've got Pierce with the Raiders. Do we have Harbaugh with the Chargers? Is that fair? That's where I'm going. I think that that's fair. Yes. Okay, the. Panthers last year wanted to hire Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, as their head coach, and didn't because he took his name out of consideration. Now word is that David Tepper has, the multi-billion dollar owner of the Panthers, has a a blank check ready for Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions. And the GM is out too. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's a clean slate. Yeah, I could see Ben Johnson landing there. Well, we talked about Mark Davis, but what about Tepper with his reputation? Is that something that is going to be appealing to a lot of coaches? If you have a blank check, I think it's much more appealing. (laughs) Money speaks. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think if you come in and you blow the doors off of somebody, they're going to say, yep, looks like a good place for me and I can get along with the owner. Although the owner has not gotten along with a lot of people here the last three years. that's the issue, yes. Right, sure. But there's only 32 of the jobs, and if you're you're the highest paid coach in the league, blank check. Yeah. Mm And there's only 32 of them. Right. That, that's that's a very important point. Okay. So can we put Belichick, is it safe to put Belichick in Washington? Can we do that? I think he's going to try to go to San Diego because he'll have a franchise QB. I think yeah. so too. I, I think wonder, he will try, but yeah. Ben if, for if San Diego. I, if I were it. the Chargers, I would want Harbaugh over Belichick. Bill Belichick is 72. Yep. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something to keep in mind as well. And so is Pete Carroll. He's 72 and mm-hmm. looks like he's 40 years old and he jumping around. He and doesn't run up and down the sidelines at all. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. And then Atlanta, I don't know what the hell Atlanta's going to do. I have no idea. At what point, Eric Bieniemy, where does he get a chance? Because I feel like his name's going to be brought up in a lot of conversations. Now, I know that you can bring up things with the commanders, but look at what's happened mm-hmm. with the Chiefs. And I think that there's definitely a tale there of Eric Bieniemy, his exit, a lot of those details have been missing with the Chiefs' offense since his exit. That's a great question. And maybe he is a fit for the Falcons. He is a, is a really, really good coach. And you make the most salient point is, granted, they've lost some receivers, but they've also lost that edge, that, that razor-sharp edge that they had when Bienemy was there. And Bijan Robinson in Atlanta wasn't mm-hmm. really used. Yeah. I mean, no. he wasn't used properly, at least in my opinion. He wasn't getting enough touches, and if you've spent that kind of pick on that type of player, you got to get the most out of him. I, I thought the most interesting hire out of everything that's going on with the coaches and who goes where was that the commanders hired a two-time NBA executive of the year in Bob Myers, and he's yeah. the one that helped build the Golden State Warriors in their dynasty. He was doing television. 
he was in basketball. Mm-hmm. And the commanders come out and say, you know what? We're going to try to do this with him as a guy leading our charge on our coaches. Apparently, they've contacted nine different people already for the coaching search yeah. um, in terms of people they're going to bring in. But I just found that really interesting. Not that it's a bad thing, like we were talking about earlier. You get a set, a different set of eyes, somebody that's not involved intimately with the league and maybe has different ideas, but a two-time NBA executive of the year to come in and have a prominent role in your organization. Smart guy and a former agent. I think that's a really yeah smart move on the part of Washington. I don't know if I'd want to hire him as my GM, mm-hmm. but I think having him as part of the search process to find your new people he he understands good people. I felt bad for Ron Rivera. I really did. He he has beat cancer yep. during his time there. He uh, had two different owners. He had eight different starting QBs and went 26-49-1, and that's the bottom line. Do you win? But, man, did he endure a lot when he was there. A he ton. Yeah. yeah. He Name change. I mean, he, he went yes. through all that. He was basically... <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. He, he was the face of all of that stuff with the name change and Snyder. He had to handle PR. He had to do everything. Yeah. Oh, it is a shame. Yeah. Okay, one other question for you. Pro Football Talk has a piece up, and the question is, will Andy Reid retire after the 2023 season? Andy Reid has said, why should I retire? I've got Patrick Mahomes. I can't imagine that Andy Reid would call it quits when he still has Patrick Mahomes on his side. I, I don't know if I am buying into that either but sometimes where there's smoke there's fire i just can't believe that that would exactly happen right well i look at I, it as maybe he knows something that we don't mm-hmm. if, if he says he's going to retire and to randy's point you do have patrick mahomes mm-hmm. but there's some deficiencies on offense this year catching the football things like that kelsey's getting older and maybe he says you know what this is the best it's going to be and mm-hmm. maybe it's time for me to move on but when you have a franchise QB like that, it's I would imagine in that league, QB-driven, it'd be awfully tough to walk away from that. 100%. And, and that's why I bring uh, – the reason I bring that up is because you brought up Enemy's name. Mm-hmm. If you're the Chiefs – He's the guy. Do you bring Enemy back or is Spags the guy? That's a good point. Although is Spags has done it before, we saw it in St. Louis, but mm-hmm. I'd look at Enemy with his, his pedigree with that offense. I yeah. think he deserves a shot. I, it feels like this is his yeah. time. And it's easier to get a defensive mind to be a defensive coordinator than an offensive mind. There, uh, There's a million defensive coaches running around. Now, it really doesn't matter when you're a head coach, but it's hard to find good offensive minds, and Eric Bieniemy is one. So I think if the Chiefs do have that opening, it'd be smarter to try to find the head coach with the offensive pedigree rather than try to find one to be a coordinator, even though that guy would have Mahomes and have entree into his head coaching that job, that offensive coordinator would. Yeah. So Matt Nagy, just Matt, make... That's the one I was thinking about right there. Yeah. Let him have another <laughs> exactly. shot at it. Uh, it'll be a, a fun off season, and I would think that Belichick will be gone. I would think that, we'll, that, wind up with, with, that we will wind up with six openings. And I didn't even get to talk about it but because we're running out of town, uh, time here, but... Everything that's going on, if you guys have followed with Tennessee, mm-hmm. the Titans, and possibly Vrabel going to the Patriots, there's a lot that's going on there. Supposedly reports that Vrabel, he wants to have somebody kind of overseeing him and Rand, but then, then there's other reports that he doesn't want that. It just feels like there's something brewing there with the Titans and possibly him leaving to the Patriots. If you're Robert Kraft, though, do you want to get away from the Bill Belichick era tree coaches, players that are now in coaching and just say, we want a clean slate. We're mm-hmm. going to try something new. 
I think yeah, you'd that like how that. It really worked yeah. well, but yeah. do you want to just get away from that? Yeah, we we keep hearing the names of Rabel and Jared Mayo though as their next yeah. head coach. Mm-hmm. I would nobody Bill nobody's like BB. I think if I if I were the owner though, I would want my team back. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. Would you be? Yeah. Would it be cautionary tale though? After what you've seen with some of the coaches that have been a part of that tree that have not had success, and say, you know what? Maybe there's a pattern here. All of them. Yes. Nobody has been a Super Bowl winner, and most of them have been abysmal failures. Bill O'Brien was okay. Most of them have been really bad failures, though. No Bill O'Brien had to go to Penn State, and then went back into the league, went yep. down to Texas, then came back, was a coordinator. Said that certain guys shouldn't be QBs. Yep. Mm, How about true. that one? Yeah. yeah. Not great. Not great. 13 and 21 over his last few seasons. Yeah, so. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. So there's a lot happening. Machinations. Machinations? Machinations. Machinations. Thank you. <laughs> uh, in the National Football League. Coming machinist. Up, our machinist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our rush hour reset coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is 9.07 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We have Blues Hockey tonight, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Matthew Kachuk and the Panthers are in town, so you want to check that out, and we'll have it here with Curbs and Joey here on 101 ESPN. Hashtag LGB. Oh, yes. And Torpchenko. Uh, and Torpchenko? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got to do LGB and T. <laughs> Okay, Dan. Dan is going to leave. We we just got him here today, and he's going to leave. I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> just taking it in. We, we've, them, about, we've been canceled about 20 times already yeah. this morning. Of just all them, that's in. the that's the fairest one to leave on. Yeah, that's, oh we understand. Just taking it all in. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn from you, Dan, and try to change the subject quickly. By oh, the yeah. way, the Panthers coming into this one are doing really, really well. Seven-game win streak, and also their first three games of their road trip that they are currently on, they have won their games by a combined score of 16-6. to six. Hmm. Okay. So this so. is a very powerful team that yeah. the Blues are going to be facing. But I did think that it was encouraging, and John Kelly pointed this out. The Blues have been, while these games have been close that they've won recently, they have been doing a really good job of limiting the other team's top lines. Yeah, they've done a really good job defensively overall. And as you mentioned earlier, Brooke, Biddington has been playing exceptionally well. Meanwhile, college football last night, Michigan wins the national championship 34-13 over Washington. J.J. McCarthy, the, the Michigan quarterback, was great again and talked about the journey to the championship. We came a long way, but in order to accomplish things like this, you got to go to those, you know, dark places where everything's not great. And, you know, just the response, you know, the urgency right after that last game last year, it was different. I knew it, you know, just from being on the podium last year and saying that we'll be back. I knew the guys that were coming back and I just I had this feeling that it was going to be where we are right now and you know just all credit goes to you know the players on this team everybody in that facility coach Harbaugh like that man he's the reason we're here today so just all thanks to him and to everybody on the team 
McCarthy, 10 of 18 for 140, didn't turn the ball over, had four rushes for 31 yards. A couple of those were big first downs. And Michigan, under Jim Harbaugh, rolls 34 to 13. The best throw I saw in college football this year was Michigan, Ohio State, and the safety of Ohio State turned his head in a blink of an eye, and J.J. McCarthy put it on a thread for a touchdown. I'm very curious what his... uh, his draft status is and where he's going to go. He'll be probably a top five QB taken, maybe top three. I'm also curious about the one that really fascinates me is Michael Penix mm-hmm. and what he did against Texas and the fact that he can throw a deep ball. It seemed like last night, guys, I don't know if you agree, but he was throwing off his back foot the entire time, and yeah. meaning that there was just pressure constantly with him. And there was a couple of throws that he could have had, maybe changed the game, didn't happen. And we'll see where uh, Michael Penix winds up in the upcoming draft. Yeah, I don't even know if you could say that it would be tough breaks for Washington that they experience. It's just that they just could not execute under pressure. So I do wonder how much this will affect Michael Penix Jr. And by the end there, he was quite literally limping away. His ribs, you could just tell, he was absolutely beat up. And we talked about the offensive line that is in front of him. They won an award for being the best offensive line in the country. And Michigan just absolutely pierced through them. And they were able to get to Michael Penix Jr. He looked like he was a step off all night. And he couldn't just execute in the way that he wanted. And there was just so many turning points. You had that Odun stay, that, you know, that pass that was negated. And I know that that was something that was controversial in some ways for some people. I don't think it was necessarily. And then there was just so many drop passes and misconnections there, especially that Will Nixon one. Did you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. That was a huge point, yeah. too. The analyst for the game, Kirk Herbstreet, on the Michigan defense. This is our fifth time we've called Washington football game. And we've, we've watched everybody play. We, you have a great appreciation for who they are. It makes me appreciate Michigan and what they did tonight defensively because we just watched Washington against Texas, and it looked like Madden's video game. I mean, Michael yeah. Penix was throwing darts all over the field, and all of a sudden a week later he plays this defense, and they do this to him. It wasn't just that he didn't put up numbers. He was confused. This is a guy that's had answers the last two years against everybody they played tonight he didn't know if they were coming or going and again i give michigan the credit for that that's not just having an off night that's the defense that you faced creating that and credit to michigan for allowing jim harbaugh to build a staff that reflects the way he wants to play and being willing to spend the money on the staff, and it's not just the coordinators, but the entire staff that built a defense that is smart enough. That's one thing Irby talked about during the broadcast last night was how smart those defensive players are. They're recruiting the right guys to play the system, too. One, one of the things I appreciate about Jim Harbaugh, and I think it was when the pandemic hit and there were teams, I'm sorry, there were uh, uh, coaches and personnel with their quote-unquote front office working in a, their athletic department that were cut, and he took a pay cut and said, pay these people whole. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciated that. I, I thought, you know what, you can think about what you want about Jim Harbaugh, but that's a check in the box of I appreciate it, and that's the right thing to do. And we'll see what what he does after this. 100%. This was him riding off into the sunset. You remember the end of Greece where they just go off in that car and they just ride away? (laughs) That's 100% what's happening there. If you you thought he was saying, to me that answered the question. He's going to definitely leave. He's going out on top. But a lot of people, of course, and we got in the text line earlier, bringing up the whole sign-stealing scandal. Does that just put a damper on everything that's happened with Michigan this season, or do you look past it? I think as time gets away from this, Mm-hmm. that we won't think much about it. 
I bet you Michael Penix last night, he wasn't feeling sign-stealing as much as he was feeling just getting slammed around by that physical defense. And that offensive line, they didn't need sign-stealing. They were, they were big and strong. All they needed to do was bully the defensive front seven of Washington, and they did. I thought the first drive of the game, it was eight plays, 84 yards, and they threw the ball twice. I thought, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is their dominance up front, which it was. And then wait to see what happens with Washington's first possession, mm-hmm. and their defensive line was awesome. I mean, they just won in the trenches, and they beat them up. We had Dan Deardorff on the show yesterday. One time when Kerry was here, we had Dan on the show, and Kerry was talking about how much he loved football because he could just take the breath of somebody away, and it was legal. He could do it. He could just hit them so hard that it took their breath away. And Dan said, I always liked it in the fourth quarter when I could want a guy to turn left, and I would turn him left. I would want a guy to turn right, and I could turn him right. Mm -hmm. That's what was happening last night to the Washington defense in the fourth quarter. You could literally watch their offense, the Michigan offensive linemen, turning guys the direction they wanted them to go. So uh, what do you think Conrad Dobler would have done? Conrad... <laughs> yeah, it, it would not have been a pleasant experience. No, it wouldn't have been. No. Do you think? Do you guys think now that it's all done that the four teams that got in were the right teams? Yes, I agree. Yes. I think they were. I think what about they Georgia were. though? Do you I, think those teams that, could have beaten Georgia? Everybody was talking about that well, last night, Dan, because you wonder about that. I would have liked to see Georgia and Michigan face off against each other. Who would have been the one you leave out though? Texas after they had beaten Alabama. But that's the whole reason Alabama it felt like with Texas Georgia? when you put Alabama in, you had to put Texas in because of what happened during yeah, the season. Right. So that that yeah. was a big point there. Here's one thing I wish they would do in that committee though. Don't take every little game, every game for at the same value because mm-hmm. games that happen in the first three or four games of the season aren't as the same as games that happen in the last three or four games of the season. You. College teams, they don't play any preseason games. You don't know what your team is in game one or two. Right. And and you look at what uh, Alabama did against Texas, and at that time, Milrow was not the same player that he wanted right. to be at the end of the year, right. to your point. Yeah. yeah. So it was a different team. Yeah. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, with the addition of Andrew Kittredge, how does the Cardinal bullpen stack up for 2024? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This exercise last week, uh, before we knew that the Cardinals were going to get Andrew Kittredge. Actually, we might have done it the same. No, I think we did it Thursday. And the Blues got Kittredge on Friday. But we were talking about the the Cardinal bullpen and the way it's going to be built. And one of the things that they had trouble with last year, and one of the things that really good franchises do, we always hear about how you can't really have a 26-man ra- roster. You have to have a 36-man roster, 36 people at least capable of playing and performing well at the big league level. And the Cardinals were kind of boxed in because they had so many players that were out of options, so many relief pitchers, that they couldn't send people down. And if somebody gave you two pitchers, gave you four and two-thirds innings of work on a particular night, you couldn't send them down and bring up a couple of guys from Memphis. One of the things the Cardinals needed to do was fix that. So let's look right now at who we look at as locks and who we look at as Memphis shuttle guys for the Cardinals. Helsley is going to be here, right? Yes. And Gallegos is going to be here? Yes. And Kittredge is going to be here. Yes. Uh, Yo-Yo Romero is going to be here. Yes. Okay. 
And then I have it this way. I think the loser of the Zach Thompson, Stephen Matz starting job battle, I think that person winds up in the bullpen. Agreed? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then is it, here's a, a tough one. I, I, you missed another lock for me. Okay. Andre Pallante. Okay. I, I want to get to him. Okay. What about John King? Did he show enough? Is he a lock? Or do we only really have five locks? I've got five, and okay. I've got Robertson, Libertor, Fernandez, King, Wilking, Rodriguez. If you want to throw him in there as a rule five, the rule five guy, mm-hmm. you know, those are maybes right now for mm-hmm. this team. And that's so what I'm looking at, and I'm going to put John King in there. I don't know why, but I am. But I've got, to your point, uh, Danny, I've got Palante as one of the guys on the Memphis shuttle because he has. Uh, options left. I've got Palante, Riley O'Brien, came over from Seattle, uh, and you had mentioned, uh, one of you guys mentioned that Heim Bloom actually was involved with his drafting by yes. Tampa, right, when he came into baseball. Yes. Nick Robertson, Tacoa Roby, and he might be a starter down at Memphis. Ryan Fernandez, who also came from Boston. Kloffenstein, who was part of the Boston, the Baltimore trade, the Jack Flaherty trade last year. Libertor, I don't know about James Nail, but he's still on the roster. And then Tink Hentz. I, I, I look at that group as a group that could conceivably be a group that we see on a rotational basis. Now, baseball has changed the rules so that you can only send a guy up and down five times during a year. So you need more players, more pitchers to be able to do what I'm talking about and rotate certain guys in. Matthew Libertor, where does he fit into this conversation? Is he going to start down in the minors as a starter, and then they're just going to let him do that? Or eventually, I feel like that he's a good fit for the bullpen. I do too, but here's the thing. If you have King and Romero and the Thompson-Matz loser, Libertor would give you four lefties in the bullpen, four lefties and four righties. I don't think you can do that. I don't either, and I think it's 70% of the league is right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it just doesn't seem like that would fit. Now, if you've got guys that can get – if you have lefties that can get right-handers out, then he's kind of a neutral pitcher, if you will. Mm-hmm. He's not righty or lefty. He just gets people out. Going back to a Liberator, I, I you also need to protect your rotation too. Right. These aren't spring mm-hmm. chickens. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to sit there and say, well, this, this guy is going to take the ball every fifth day – like the 2004 club was amazing. What gets overlooked was that until a doubleheader, I think it was in September against the Pirates, and they brought up uh, Danny Heron to make that mm-hmm. start, That they, every fifth day was the same guy, every yeah. fifth day. That just doesn't happen no, anymore. No. So whether it's Thompson or Liberator, you need to be protected with one of those guys starting down in Memphis. Okay, Dan, I want to go back to why you have Palante as a lock in your bullpen. I want to go back to two years ago. I think that he can do that. It's there, obviously. And if you're a guy that needs a ground ball, uh, then he's your guy. I mean, if, if you're a team that needs a ground ball, he's your guy. I think it can happen, but he's got to show it early and often more so than he did last year. And with the situations that we saw him in last season, do you think that that's what, what just happened is maybe that he just got burned too many times and that got into his head? Or what do you think that happened with Palante last season? I think it snowballed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you don't have success early and you're still a young pitcher or player in the league and things that were working the year before don't work now, it mm-hmm. snowballs. And his stuff wasn't as good. I mean, metrically he and analytically, he was not quite where he was the year before. So the combination of those things, I think, hurt him. Yeah, you definitely saw that a lot last season. Are you guys disappointed that as we put this bullpen together that the Holy Trinity does not exist anymore? <laughs> 
<laughs> Have you explained the Holy Trinity to so Dan? Dan? Last year, there came a point in the last, what, Father. 10% of the season, <laughs> 20% to get this of down. the season, yeah. when you'd have a game with Verhagen and Selaw and Palante, if those three pitched in any combination, any order, that was the Holy Trinity of bullpen for me. And so now we, we're kind of missing out with, with Chris Vonderhagen. And uh, with the departure of Selaw, yeah, Casey Lawrence uh, was Selaw. That takes me back to the Larry Luber's days. Oh, oh, oh doctor, <laughs> late nineties, Larry yep, Luber, number seventy, right? Yeah, Travis Smith making some starts yep. with that club. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It was tough. That was a tough time at yeah. Cardinal Baseball. What was baseball. that like? Just give a, oh, a, a, a word to describe it. Well, awful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one thing that you had in the late nineties, and I, I was around it then, was that at least in ninety eight you had McGuire, so it overshadowed so much of mm-hmm. the deficiencies with the club. And in ninety nine he had sixty five. And so when that happened, it kind of overshadowed the lack of winning, the lack of excitement with the club. You had excitement when he was up, but you didn't have a lot of excitement, wins and losses outside of that. And to their credit, that's when this whole thing changed going into mm-hmm. 2000. They had a lot of people coming to the ballpark. To the DeWitt's credit, they spent it on payroll, made a lot of trades, and then wound up keeping those guys and gave them long-term deals. That model just doesn't seem to work anymore. No. It, no. It's just not going to be a feasible model. And there's multiple reasons. We'll get into it. In it. We've got plenty of segments coming up before spring training. But the biggest reason he can't do that anymore is because of revenue sharing. Because now those teams that the Cardinals were able to cherry pick that specific year, they in 2000, the Cardinals replaced their entire up the middle. They got Mike Matheny. They got Fernando Vina. They got Edgar Renteria. Cherry picked him from the, the Marlins. They got Jim Edmonds. Yep. They got Kyle. They got Hentgen. They brought back Bennis. They got Veers. Dave Veers was your closer. Right. All of those, they, they built an up the middle in one off season, And a lot of that, Kyle, Veers, Colorado didn't want to pay those guys anymore. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Renteria, Miami didn't think they could pay him anymore. Edmonds, there was a lot of things going on, but one of the big things was they didn't want to pay Edmonds in Anaheim. So the Cardinals were able to take advantage of that. By the way, what, a month in, Jimmy signs that $57 million Not contract. Not even. I think do. it was like three weeks or something yeah. like that. Yeah. He so, loved it. Yeah. So uh, to your point... What the Cardinals did in that offseason of 2000 is impossible to do now. Yeah, and you knew he had a young Ricky and Keel coming. Yep. And you right. were able to keep him. So still get all these players and keep your top pitching prospect and was the top pitching prospect in baseball. Think about that. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to do that now. Right. You Great know, point. If, if you're trying to go out and get Dylan Cease, you're giving up some serious thump maybe in your lineup, your everyday mm-hmm. lineup to go out and get that guy. And the Cardinals, in my opinion, aren't going to give up Nolan Gorman. They love Brendan Donovan. There's other players that they think can contribute this year. It doesn't look like they'd want to part ways with Lars Newtbar. So with what you have right now, with this team currently constructed, it's probably the team you're going to go into with spring training and maybe opening day. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, Bill DeWitt III being very honest with the fan base. Do you like it? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Okay, so if you're watching on our Air Alliance team studio cam, you saw Matthew Rocchio fiddling with his headphone there during his break. What was going on there? Oh, no. (laughs) So my headphones have this weird thing where, like, like they, they they didn't they weren't that expensive but they weren't that cheap either but uh-huh. there's this thing where like they work perfectly fine but like the it kind of falls out of the the hinge it kind of falls out of the hinge oh, got it. Okay. and so then it just like sits like this on the side of my head and it's very annoying and it makes it really hard to do my job so I'd rather try to do my job with a 
with like my hand <laughs> in my ear than than sit here with bad Understood. headphones. Understood. It's old Jack Buck. Hello. Uh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> He'd have the uh, one here or one hand up to the ear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, speaking of Jack Buck, he and the DeWitt family were very close. And last week at the announcement that Billy Joel and Sting were going to be performing over at uh, Bush Stadium on September 27th, tickets available, by the way, on Friday. And we're going to give away a pair in our uh, next segment. But our buddy John Denton from Cardinals.com talked to the Cardinal president, Bill DeWitt III, and asked him about transactions for the rest of the offseason. And Bill DeWitt III, to his credit, said this. Look, I think we're always open to improving our club within reason, but, you know, we've already made some big moves. Uh, He said, with payroll, it has to be thought of in the context of the whole business with all the investments we're making in other aspects of the product on the field. And then there's the revenue picture, which, frankly, is a bit challenging this year relative to last year when you think about what's happening with local television, etc., So we're making a pretty big push by raising payroll and having revenues somewhat challenged. It's actually quite a commitment. Now, is there a little more payroll room there? It depends on the deal. I appreciate that knowledge. There are a lot of national people, not local people, but national Mm -hmm. people that think the Cardinals would still be in the hunt for uh, Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell. They were never going to be in the hunt for those guys. I, as a fan, for better or worse, I like to know where I stand. Spring training will start in just over a month. This is the roster they're going to go to spring training with. They're going to go get Dylan Cease because they don't have a baseball deal to make for Dylan Cease. So this team, which I view as an 81-82 win team, might be better. I don't think they'll be much worse if they don't have injuries, don't have any injuries at all. Uh, this is what it is, and I'm I'm happy to know that. That it's being honest and truthful. Yeah. yeah. And just being realistic with their approach. And look, we we keep talking about everything that is going on with Bally's. And that is a big, important story because it's not affecting just the Cardinals. It's it's affecting all of baseball right now. The Cardinals aren't the only ones that are thinking about this with their current transactions. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you look at the Dodgers and they're playing with Monopoly money. And it's very easy to get jealous of that. But that also doesn't guarantee championships. And when you look at the approach, I understand the whole thought process. Of, uh, thought process of that there's so much uncertainty right now with what is going on and we're seeing a major change when it comes to Bally's and how people view sports in general where that definitely factors into your decision you want to see how this all plays out and the Cardinals aren't the only team that is making decisions based off of that yeah and, I mean when you look at the payroll and I'll just say this very very quickly again I know Randy you want to jump in but 26 man rosters 173 million the 40 man competitive balance roster or competitive balance is 205 million, uh, just a little bit over that. That's 10th in baseball in both those categories. Now, one thing you could say is that's good. I mean, you're top 10. The other part of it is there's a lot of guys still out there and teams haven't spent maybe the allocated funds that they have. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a little bit of a state of flux. We'll see. The Cubs certainly haven't exactly. spent their, what they are going to spend ultimately. But Bill DeWitt III easily could have just said, to John Denton. Is there a little more payroll room there? It depends on the deal. If he starts and ends there, he could give people false hope. Why give people false hope? Why not just tell it like it is? And I I appreciate the fact that he does. Now, that's the question. Would you rather be told the truth that, hey, we've spent what we're going to spend, 
and this is it? Or would you rather have the false hope that if a deal shows up, yeah, we've got a little payroll room there that we could make it uh, a big deal? I would rather have the truth I would rather than just giving me false hopes. Because then if you're just going to sell me false hopes, then how am I going to believe anything else moving forward? Now, we already have some texts coming in where people are very upset saying you know, that we are protecting DeWitt and everything here. I think you have to be realistic, too, about the situation. Now, I, I was a huge fan, Danny. I talked about all the time. Huge fan of, of Yamamoto. And who isn't? Huge fan of Shohei Otani. But I knew at the end of the day it wasn't realistic that they were going to be able to go out and spend the money to get those types of pitchers. Well, I, I don't think anybody can even be close to what the Dodgers are doing. So No, it's not even real. Is what It, it doesn't even feel real what they're doing right well, now. Their television deal is over $7 billion, and the Guggenheim conglomerate manages uh, over $300 billion in assets. So when you're talking about trying to, to swim in those waters, it isn't going to happen. And they've spent over a billion dollars on free agency this year. So throw them out the window. Here's the, here's the, the real fact of it is that the TV portion of this is legitimate. And it's not just legitimate for the Cardinals. It's legitimate for those that are involved with Bally's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want the guaranteed money. And if you don't have the, it's just like any business. If you don't have that guaranteed money coming in, that's a that's a problem. I mean, it, you're trying to, to formulate uh, a business plan moving forward, not only for this year, but for next year and the following year and so on and so forth. And if you don't know that that money's coming in, that is a problem mm-hmm. when it's a huge chunk of what you expect. Now, the other part of this where it gets a little tricky is that the Cardinals have been a team that draws over 3 million fans. Butts in the seats is important. So how do you get butts in the seats? You win. Win. You mm-hmm. got to win. So, and you got to get people into Ballpark Village, too. And how do you win? You, you you spend money and you bring in players. So it's kind of a double-edged sword with this. Now, we get a text from our friend Big Al who says, DeWallet is worth $6 billion off our backs. Well, here's the thing. He he is. He was worth, uh, he was worth multi-billion dollars before he ever bought the Cardinals. But... They run a business, and they're running it like a business. They aren't running it like Peter Seidler ran the Padres, where he had to get a $50 million loan last year. They run it as a business. So just because somebody is worth a bunch of money doesn't mean they're going to pour their personal wealth into payroll. I would love it if the people that run Hubbard Radio, who are worth billions of dollars, would pour that money into my payroll. But it ain't going to happen, right? It's, it's just not. And I think we have to be realistic. Your boss, Big Al, probably has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You can ask for more, but are they going to try to take out a loan so they can pay you more? No, it's not going to happen. Or are they going to give you part of their personal fortune? No, it's not going to happen. It just doesn't work that way. That's not how billionaires become billionaires. Oh, uh, from, You started this by saying, would you rather have the truth of what he, mm-hmm. he's come out and saying or not? Uh, as a fan of baseball, I would love it if they said, "Yeah, we're wide open. You know, we're wide open to try <laughs> Blank to add, checks. Yeah, yeah, this guy, that guy, and this guy. It, it's just not going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. to be fiscally responsible, and I think they have been. And Randy, you said it best. It's a business, and they're running it like a business. That's the way it works. And how many teams also looked around at what the Diamondbacks did? Because somebody also pointed out, Randy, the your little backhanded compliment that you had there. I don't know if it was a backhanded compliment where you said to sum up what he said, I totally respect the Cardinals admitting that they're going to have a 500 record. And here's the thing, though. It worked out for the Diamondbacks. You think How many teams looked at that and how they were able to handle their payroll and say, I want that. I don't want to have to go through what the Rangers went through all last season and the prior off-seasons before. That is 100% correct. 
That being said, the Cardinals won 71 games last year. Did what they did during the offseason and what else has happened in the National League get them to a point where they're going to win 20 more games? Maybe they win 10 more. Maybe they win 12 more. Maybe they're they're an 83-win team. I don't think that they're substantially better. A team that was 10th in the National League in runs scored, 19th in the the majors in runs scored. A team that had 28 blown saves. 20 of those blown saves are still on the roster. And a team that needed starting pitching and hired three people that are 34, 35, 36 years old. Those Lynn, Gibson, and, and Gray. I just don't see that as a substantial enough upgrade to believe that they're going to be a 92, 93, 94 win team. Who's going to beat them in the Central? We don't know what the Cubs are right now, yeah. and we don't know what the Brewers are. But we do know that the Brewers don't have a huge part of their rotation, right? Because Peralta's still hurt, Woodruff is gone, Corbin Burns may or may not be gone, they're going to start a rookie, Churio. We don't know what the Brewers are. Pirates aren't going to be as good as the Cardinals, and I have no idea about the Reds. Dan, do you know how the Reds were good last year? I, I look at all the peripheral numbers. Young pitching numbers. helped, yeah. but uh, and, and, young athletes helped too. They, I thought their position players and the young exuberance that they brought to that team was something that can't be... You know, yeah. looked at on a piece of paper. And they have added, they added Nick Martinez, and uh, they added another starting pitcher. Yeah. Um, just last week. Uh, it's going to drive me crazy. Yeah, we'll I'll figure it out. It. But anyway, Why do you do this to me, Randy? I, I, could, I, I couldn't figure it out either. But they've added two starting pitchers. They had good performances from young starting pitchers last year. And then De La Cruz changed their dynamic. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll be good. I'm not positive, but we'll, we'll see if, if they are. Anyway. We've got tickets to give away here. And we'll tell you who that <laughs> other important. starting... Was it a left-hander? Uh, let's see. Le- I'm, I'm oh, no, le- uh, Frankie Montas. That's Montas. it, Frankie oh, Montas. Yes, yes. Hope, they're hoping for a bounce-back year with him. Yeah, yep. That's who it was. Uh, so there you have it. Cardinals, at, at the very least, you, you never criticize anybody for being honest with you. <laughs> I, I just... I. I don't think they're done. I, I really don't. I, I think they look at this team now. What does that mean? I'm not saying that they're going to go out and make a huge splash... But I think if they can trade X for X, then mm-hmm. something like that could happen. And it's going to be a pitcher. And they're going to bring in more pitching. And like mm-hmm. you said, you can never have enough, but they also need to hedge their bets with guys that are older in their rotation yeah. and see what they have with what we already went through and broke down their, their bullpen, too. And if they're a number one, if they get a number one pitcher, if they get a legit ace. Sonny Gray. A legit ace that who didn't go... <laughs> The team didn't go 14 and 18 in his starts last year. Run support has a thing to do with that, too, though. Yeah, it, it does. And the Cardinals were not as good at scoring runs as the Twins were, unfortunately. Uh, so. <laughs> this is where he gets so upset. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, he, he's a nice number, too. But is that win day? Is that the, the Sonny Gray, when, when he, during his career, have you ever thought of that as for his team, win day for that team? Like you thought Chris Carpenter for the Cardinals when he was here. You know, he played with the Yankees. Um, but prior to that, I, I hadn't looked at him as being a number one. But after last year, I look at him as being like a 1A. You know, a 1A would work for me. He, he, I, those guys like Chris Carpenter, though, aren't falling off trees. And Chris Carpenter would go eight or nine innings. Last year, the Cardinals had 29 times where a pitcher threw 100 or more innings. That's yeah. it. 29 times. Pitches, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, pitches. Yeah. And, and that is where it's going in baseball. I just always felt like looking at this team, and I know we need to go to a break, yeah. so don't look at me like that. We had 41 <laughs> leads lost. You had 28 blown saves. Starters not going deep. The bullpen was 24th in ERA, 29, uh, 29th in strikeout percentage. So when I look at that, I always felt like, number one, while innings are great in your rotation, 
you better fix this bullpen because yep. the way the game is played, it just doesn't have starters go deep. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you some Billy Joel tickets next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Matthew Rocky. I'm Randy Carricker, and... We have your chance to score a pair of tickets for Billy Joel and Sting for one night only on Friday, September 27th at Bush Stadium. Find all the ticket details and a bonus chance to register to win tickets to Billy Joel and Sting at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. And tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win free tickets right now by texting the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646, Oh. Yes, Randy. 314-399-9646. No, you said 314-399-9646. Yeah, Why did that. you do that? You threw Rock and I off. I did. I messed everybody no, up. I think he was oh, on. No, I was const- no Actually, I was Dan. Thinking, I, I, know, I know Rock has a great question, but we're going to give away more tickets tomorrow. Rock, can I? Can you do me a favor and allow me the, uh, the pleasure of giving my trivia question? Oh, go for it, please. Okay. What? <laughs> I shouldn't have done that, but go ahead. Okay. In Billy Joel's song, We Didn't Start the Fire, what major league baseball player does he name check? Mm, that's In a good one. Billy Joel's Come song, oh. We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> I can't say it. No, you can't. No. We Didn't I'm, Start the Fire. I you were what, asking me. What that's major league player? <laughs> I'm not you want to win the tickets? Yes. Name <laughs> check. Uh, 314-399-9646. Yo! Nine six four six, and we will do. Uh, we will do. Uh, let's do number. Uh, Randy, what he mentions multiple major league baseball players. Does he? Yeah. In the in we didn't start the yes. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, so should... name one of the baseball yeah. players yeah, he mentions. Yeah. There we go. That's cool. Good. I didn't realize that. Let's take a look at that. Okay. The uh, which Hall of Famer? Can we go which Hall of Famer? Uh, they're uh, both. Uh, yeah. All three. No, he names three. Oh, okay. There's three all Hall of Famers all named and we didn't start the fire. Okay, name one of them. There you go. <laughs> and what's the what's the number that's getting picked? Uh, let's do uh, 44. Okay. There you go. I enjoy going uh, through the three baseball players Or we players could do the, the, the first one. We could do, just do the first one, too. No, uh, no, no we'll do one of the three. three. I think it's yeah. fun. Okay, good. Let's do it. Uh, all right, what do we got for rock and roll? Uh, what I have for rock and roll is a story that developed yesterday in the NHL, and that was the Philadelphia Flyers trading away a former top pick in Cutter Gauthier because he simply just didn't really want to play in Philadelphia. And in mm-hmm. fact, uh, here's um, the president of Hockey Ops, Keith Jones, breaking down kind of how this uh, went down. Yeah, he didn't want to be a Flyer. So we had to, you know, come up with a plan. And fortunately, we were able to execute on that plan. His value would never be higher than it was after the World Junior Championships. Uh, You don't want to be a flyer. You're not going to be a flyer. And uh, we were very pleased in the return that we got, a player that we coveted. And so that was President of Hockey Ops Keith Jones saying, if you don't want to be a flyer, you won't be a flyer. And here was Flyers GM Daniel uh, Briere, who broke down kind of how the lack of communication um, 
developed. Looked at us at the draft and told us he was built to be a flyer, wanted to be a flyer, and then a few, maybe a few months later, told us that he didn't want to be a flyer, didn't want to play for the flyers. So, so there it is. He said he wanted to be a flyer at the draft, and he comes out and says, I don't want to be a flyer anymore. So they traded him to Anaheim. The thing where this got weird is that after the trade, a Philadelphia writer and podcast host by the name of Anthony Sanfilippo, who uh, is one of the hosts of Snow the Goalie podcast, which is a Philadelphia Flyers podcast. He was talking post-game after a Philadelphia Flyers game, and he had this comment about what he thinks going on behind the scenes in this deal. A little tidbit that ties into this. I shared it with you guys uh, before the intermission. I talked to somebody in the organization. Kevin Hayes' fingerprints are all over there. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Kevin Hayes wow. being the Blues forward who used to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. He was then contacted by Paul Bissonnette, who hosts Spittin' Chicklets, and Hayes, he uh, pretty much told him, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. And then he called him a clown on social media. So what do you think's going on here? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, there's going a lot going of things going on here. I honestly think this is just as simple as players in the NHL as prospects have have some leverage and if you don't want to play for a, a bad organization and maybe a coach like Tortorella who you don't want to play in it for as a young player you have the option to say you know what I'm worth a lot go find me a new team you had two people you had one guy saying that it had Kevin Hayes fingerprints all over it and another guy that said absolutely did they explain and he why said, absolutely uh they did not but there so is some that they did have some prior videos and there were some podcasts where I guess Cutter talked about how he has a strong relationship with Kevin Hayes mm-hmm. and people were kind of using that as ammunition as to maybe Kevin Hayes got into his head about the Flyers. Hmm. Okay. Well, but that's right. pretty All bold is- to accuse Kevin Hayes of that without having some very, very solid proof. It's it's player it's player empowerment. It's great. It's you awesome. You want to get out of there, and they got out, you got out of there. Good so for him. Pro sports, Who, Randall. Pro sports. Who are Love the three it. guys that were uh, name checked in? Uh, we didn't start the fire. The three Yankee, three Yankee. He, he no, Dodger and two Yankees. He mentions Joe DiMaggio. He mentions Mickey Mantle, and he has a slight reference to Roy Campanella yes. as well. So those mm. are the three MLB players that are mentioned in We Didn't Start the Fire. We didn't start the fire. La 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 la. Campanella is only by his last name. He just says, yeah, he says okay. Campanella, communist block. It's just kind of in that little run there. It's a great. great song. It is a great song. Billy Joel, September 27th. Tickets available on Friday. Great job today by our producer and audio and video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, was this fun? Yes. How about that? How about that? How about that? So, Dan, do you still like me after three hours? Oh, yeah. I love you. <laughs> love you, buddy. We're going to get into the sunny gray thing many times. Oh, you know? can't wait sunny for that thing. one. Um, you're fired up about it. You know, I, I don't, that's good. Yeah, I, I am not fired up about it. I just don't think he's a number one. That's okay. all. The time. I, I, all right. I, I would rather have Garrett Cole. So would the rest of the league. Yeah. <laughs> so, just saying. Yeah, just saying. Nothing wrong with having a number two. It's just having him as a number one. Coming and he's, up. And he's the Cardinals' number one. Uh, T-Mac and Ajax. Yeah. They've got a balloon Don't forget about up. promoting that, Randy. Oh, no. And then uh, we've got BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, and then 2 to 6. You've got the fast lane, and John Denton's on the balloon party coming up at 1030. So he'll talk about what Bill the Third had to say. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great Taco Tuesday, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.